Hi, hello, and welcome back to the 1983 National Football League draft. And with the first round pick, John Elway, Jim Kelly. Welcome back to the draft. And with the first round pick, Dan Marino, Bruno, NFL draft. And with the first round pick, Deion Sanders. I was kind of scared. I thought the show was going to take me. I would ask for so much money that I had to put me on layaway. Welcome back to the NFL draft. Good young players with the traps all about. Here and in your out. Welcome back to the draft. And with the first round pick, Aaron Rodgers. Welcome back to the NFL draft. I've never seen anything like this. That's becoming a familiar sound as we welcome you to the Heater Podcast NFL Draft Edition. Uh, as we uh, now are at our third annual uh, podcast on the NFL Draft covering uh, one of our favorite uh, events of the sporting world uh, from uh, uh, Corey's uh, uh, college uh, watching uh, aficionado, all that good stuff within it, and me just loving to lounge around for a weekend and, and listen to uh, NFL uh, teams uh, renew their, their hopes or try to, to sell promise to future season ticket holders, all that good stuff. The intrigue of the moving and shaking of the first-round draft. Uh, it is the event of the offseason for the NFL, and it is coming up here in the next few days. Uh, with that, uh, I'm Dan Lewig. He's Corey Peeper. And we are here to give you our annual mock draft, uh, as because uh, uh, you know the 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 world does need at least one more uh, mock draft here this uh, this week to to provide balance to an order to everything. Uh, so we're happy to uh, step up and fill that void. Uh, this is an interesting draft as far as it's hard to predict. You would think when there's when we'll talk about evaluating the draft class and a little bit of that overall, but this is a quote-unquote weaker draft. And when you debate which is a harder one to predict, a weaker draft or a stronger draft, I think your first thought would be like, there's more uh, stronger players. You'd be vying for them. You'd have more people trying to move around with it. I, I think what we've learned, and this draft is showing us, is a weaker draft makes it harder uh, to predict because there's less players that people are wanting to go for or... Again, to set the stage for the conversation, when you already have the Kansas City Chiefs GM saying that we have, quote, only 16 to 18 players on our board that have first-round grades, uh, that, for the math aficionados out there, is only half of the first round uh, having a so-called first-round grade. So when it gets that way, I think uh, supply and demand, I think there's going to be more intrigue of who's going to try to uh, to trade up for that, depending upon cost. Uh, as well as uh, if you're fine with this guy or that guy and you really don't have uh, similar grades across the board, uh, that's going to lead to some uh, uh, ways where you can have uh, no clear-cut pick, uh, which means there's going to be more uh, chances for uh, there's five options as you have a, a 20% chance of getting one right. Uh, or uh, it means at the top, usually by this point of the, in the stage, it has been for the last number of years, you know who the number one pick is. Sometimes, you know what, as soon as the college football season ends, you already know who the clear-cut number one is. And now this week, that has uh, has definitely changed. Uh, and now there's there's absolutely no guarantee for any player, for any pick this year. When again, I think of the last couple of drafts, the first five picks, you could have pretty solidly, like a 95% chance, this is how the first five are going to go. Not this year. I feel more confident next year's first three picks than I do this year. 
And they're not like I can almost guarantee you that CJ Stroud, the quarterback at Ohio State, Bryce Young, the quarterback at Alabama, and Will Anderson, the all world defensive end at Alabama, will go top three next year right now. I, I feel very confident saying that. This year yeah, there's more confidence in next yes. year's draft yes. already in the top uh, three than mm-hmm. there is this year's top three. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. This year, I know that there's a lot of very good edge players. There are three very good offensive tackles that should all go very high. Cornerback's pretty deep. Receiver's pretty deep. But deep doesn't mean good necessarily. It means there are good players there, but there's a top, and then there's this like big blob, glob of players that could all very well be good, could kind of fizzle out. And the other thing that throws this year off is for the, I think it's the most ever, eight teams don't have a pick in the first round. So when we do our mock draft today, there are eight teams that said, yeah, we don't really want this draft. We'll take our chances on an NFL player. Punted on this year's draft. Uh, uh, the Miami Dolphins being the team that punted the most. They don't pick until the end of the third round. Uh, and when asked about, uh, uh, from a media member, like, you know, what are you going to do during the, the first round without without any pick? And he said, I'm just going to watch Tyreek Hill highlights. So, hey, <laughs> uh, no argument from Dolphins fans. That is for sure uh, on that one. Uh, but, again, we have two of the top three picks. Uh, maybe the first one, okay, you have a 50-50 shot on who it could be. Number three is a wild card, uh, especially with that team. Anything can happen, literally. Uh, and then, like I said, there's a lot of, intrigue across the board but before we get into those picks we're just going to talk a couple of 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 storylines to keep in mind to set the stage for this draft uh, and get you prepared uh, for it for a thursday at oh that would be 8 p.m eastern standard time seven o'clock central time uh everything kicks off and so we mentioned uh where this uh Corey's already talked about where this draft is uh is strong uh, at least in the uh, uh looking at uh uh, from receivers, looking at edge players, uh, some solid offensive line, although that, again, usually you can find quality still into later rounds. I think that dwindles a little more uh, in this draft, so if you want it, you have to get it early. Uh, and where we will see the most massive run in this first round is going to be on wide receivers. Uh, that's a product of a strong, uh, stronger class and a product of teams trading away big-name all-pro uh, uh, receivers uh, from the draft class from three years ago. Uh, and so that's going to lead to more. It could also lead to more uh, picks being uh, traded yet for veterans that haven't yet happened. Uh, so there could be some draft night intrigue on that. Yeah. I think that here's what we've started to notice. For the last two, three years, we said, oh, it's a good receiver class. It's a good receiver class. It's a good receiver class. And it's because the college landscape is changing. And the college landscape of the 200, I don't know, unless you're planning to, I'm not planning to talk about any running backs at Saras getting drafted in the first round. And it wasn't that long ago where Leonard Fournette was the fourth pick overall by the Jaguars. And you know he carved out a nice career for himself. But it's such a pass-happy college landscape now that... And res- a pass-happy NFL. And it's, getting, and it's moved, right? And so now it's receivers get pushed up, running backs get devalued. And again, I would say add that to another class of very solid running backs. You can find starters uh, in the, on day three. Uh, there's some quality running backs uh, that are uh, that are out there. Uh, so for those that are looking for that, you, you're going to find it, and you're going to find some good good running backs uh, in this class, but they're not going to be happening in the first round. Uh, Any more for a, a running back to get taken in the first round, you have to be a true three-down back, a workhorse, and a generational talent. And I think, you know, last year we saw Najee Harris do that with Pittsburgh. And, he, he fit and that I criteria. Think he fits that, right? Like, that's one that fits where he's get, he can offer all three downs. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. You know, I said, we're not going to talk running backs, but Brees Hall's probably the top back in this class. He's out of Iowa State. 
he's got all that tread. But as far as it goes, like I don't think he probably should go in the first round. And as far as receivers go, I think there's a chance. That, I mean, you probably could get six pretty easily, possibly as many seven, as eight. eight. Yeah, it, it's possible. So that that shows just the different value we have right now. So that's up to twenty five percent of of the draft class of the first round uh, could be wide receivers. Uh, normally, we've seen as many as uh, you know quarterbacks dominate most drafts. Uh, that's not this class. There's some mock drafts that don't have a single quarterback in the, uh, taken in the first round. Uh, and there are, uh, I think the most I've seen is two. Uh, again, because quarterbacks, it's still quarterback heavy and you like the fifth-year option, I still think we'll see uh, for sure one, maybe two at the 32nd overall pick, maybe a, a, a guy there. Uh, but let's at least talk the, the quarterback class just a little bit. Uh there's uh, Malik Willis uh, is, is mentioned very strongly, and it's a matter of uh, beauty in the eye of, of the beholder. Kenny Pickett uh, is uh, gaining steam in a couple of places, but again, it's if, if those couple places don't take him, he falls. Uh, and then you have uh, Desmond Ritter is another one that's kind of being uh, talked about at the end of, end of first, early second, uh, in that range for those that are potentially QB, uh, QB hunting. What do you think of this uh, quarterback draft class who do you think gets picked first and by who? I think Malik, well, I shouldn't say by who because uh, I'll, I'll let you save that. Spoiler. For the, yeah. I think Malik Willis still gets picked first. Uh, Malik Willis, for those who don't know, is the quarterback at Liberty. Now, he did transfer in from Auburn where he was not utilized well, and Hugh Freeze, who's the head coach at Liberty, <laughs> took advantage of the fact that Malik Willis is – he has an incredible skill set. Like his ability to run is probably the second he steps on an NFL field, right up there with Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts, those type of guys who can pick up huge chunks of yards. It was last year was kind of a down year for him. I think he only ran for eight hundred, yeah, eight hundred seventy-eight yards, and the year before was nine hundred. So he has a huge arm. It's kind of it kind of goes all over the place. It's a little scatter shot at times, but he does things that like Kenny Pickett can't physically do. So I think Malik Willis is probably still the first pick. Here's the deal with Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett has one phenomenal year last year, a senior season where he threw 42 touchdowns and seven picks. Before that, he was barely like more touchdowns and picks for through the first three years of his career at Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh has a phenomenal receiver. He's going back to school named Jordan Addison, who here's it. I'm not going to be as high on Kenny Pickett as other people do. I have Kenny Pickett fourth. I have Kenny Pickett behind Desmond Ritter. I have Kenny Pickett behind Matt Corral. Matt Corral broke his foot in the last time we saw him. Matt Corral's quarterback at Ole Miss. Do I think Kenny Pickett will go ahead of those guys? Yeah, I do. But this is the same thing I said last year with Zach Wilson. The same thing I said with Zach Wilson is one year of esteemed production is great. Awesome. Good job, Kenny Pickett. But the ACC defenses are really bad right now, like really bad. The ACC is kind of Big 12-ish from years ago, whereas Matt Corral was really good at Ole Miss against like Alabama, Georgia defenses. He was pretty good down there. So I would rather take my chances on that than I would on Kenny Pickett in the first round. It would not surprise me if Kenny Pickett has a longer career. I think this. I think what he's going to have the chance to be is a uh, a long term backup, uh, someone who can have a 10, 12 year career uh, as a, a backup that will sh- uh, be solid and flashes, but you're not going to put the future uh, or present of your entire team uh, on his shoulders. Uh, we'll see what that one year translates into. Uh, there have been uh, some positive stories to that and then guys that have gone on well, but uh, there have been many, uh, many misses uh, on buying into that. And uh, there's already been one GM that was reported 
I don't remember if it was on Monday, Monday Morning Quarterback. I can't include some of his colorful language that he put within it. Uh, it was Jim Nagy, actually, the one who talked about it, who said he's the uh, the quarterback uh, that is uh, that will be taken too high but just doesn't have uh, uh, the, the ceiling. Uh, and so that to me screams uh, a quality NFL backup, and yeah. there's value in that. These uh, NFL uh, backup quarterbacks are getting like eight to ten million bucks a year. It's getting to that that look level. At, look at the career Chase Daniels carved out for himself. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Chase Daniels carved out an incredible career for himself here. And could Kenny Pickett step into an NFL field right now and start for multiple teams and possibly be an upgrade? Yeah, he could. Like, there's certainly a you mentioned the word ceiling, right? Kenny Pickett has a higher floor than Malik Willis yes. does. Like yes. his floor is much higher than Malik Willis. Now Malik Willis' ceiling, I said, you know, I mentioned Kyler Murray. Like yep. Kyler Murray's an all, uh, NFL all-star or Pro Bowl player, right? Like Malik Willis has that ceiling. Kenny Pickett, I don't think, has that ceiling. I think Matt Corral has a higher ceiling than Kenny Pickett. I think Sam Howell probably has a higher ceiling. We didn't even mention him. Like Desmond Ritter, you mentioned. Now Kenny Pickett's chances, he will he will probably get picked in this first round. I I would not feel comfortable if I'm an NFL team starting him day one. So we'll see what, what happens there. Again, I, my prediction is only one QB in the first round, though we'll see with our mock draft if that, that ends up happening with with more than that. But uh, uh, it, it's uh, definitely not a, a class that is selling, uh, selling hope, uh, which, again, you can tell that by what is ESPN's uh, coverage. And if there's any quarterbacks that can sell hope at all, uh, QBs drive ratings, drive interest, mm-hmm. and they haven't even tried uh, to make that a key part of, of NFL draft coverage. So that should tell you something because that's what, again, drives their ratings, drives their revenue. They're not even trying uh, to uh, go that angle. So I think they uh, invited three of them to the draft. I think Matt Car- the Pickett and Malik Willis, and I think Matt Corral might have also gotten invited, but... I would be real unless they know something I don't, I'd be really surprised if Matt Corral got picked in the first round. Not that... I said he broke his ankle. Like he's he's a pretty talented player too in his own right. But uh, yeah, you're right. They they have had less coverage this year. It feels like than ever. Like and you know, those people are still going to watch it, right? Like so, do, does it really matter? I don't. Probably not. But it, usually, you watch SportsCenter and you see commercials galore with different quarterbacks. Absolutely. Last year, how many times did we see Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields yep. and Trey Lance? Like we saw it all the time. Now there's just not much there. <laughs> And it, it uh, now again, normally at the top, you have uh, teams that, A, didn't do well. Obviously, that's how that works. But uh, uh, some of the more perennially uh, ex- uh, not exceeding low expectations. I'm trying to find a PR way of saying teams that you perennially are, suck. You're, you're right, just I, so say I was looking like, man, uh, what is he going to go with here? So, and it's... And teams that are not popular. Sometimes you have a, a bad year, guy gets hurt, you're there. But the, the Jags are not popular. Uh, Lions keep being here. Houston is a whole different realm of crazy uh, and suckiness. Jets have other challenges with things for a while now, too. So, again, there's no franchise to also add the intrigue to the top. I went back and listened to our podcast from last year on the draft just to see what if, if I had anything that I said or you had anything you said. And I said, I put money on Houston picking number one overall. So congratulations, Houston. You beat <laughs> you beat my Seated prediction. Expectations. You got You got to third overall, which – it's not bad, and I didn't anticipate Urban Meyer being the worst coach in the history of the NFL, perhaps. So that one was unexpected. So the the last thing we'll talk about, two two last things, actually three. So it's not a last Take thing at time. all. So uh, we have uh, first trades. Uh, we, we talked about sometimes from strength of class to weak of class, which leads to more movement or intrigue. We talked about the in, uh, intrigue as far as hard to, to predict. 
But what about trades for for this year? Do you think that the, a weaker class is going to lead to guys saying, this guy is the one I want. I don't want the three others that were possible on the board. I don't like them. I like this guy. Does this lead to more movement on the first round? I think we're more likely to see trade ups from some of these teams. I said a lot of these teams right now are hoarding two picks and some of these early pick teams, like you mentioned, you know, the jets. I don't know if anybody will go that high, but Washington has one pick at number 11 right now. There's, they can use depth more than they can use one player. Whereas somebody like green Bay or Kansas city, these teams that are currently within their winning window and they're really close. We saw Kansas City win recently. Green Bay's won multiple games or 14 games the last couple of years. Could they give up two picks to move up to 11? Because maybe Jamison Williams, I'll just throw Jamison Williams out there. Maybe Jamison Williams is Kansas City's ideal replacement for Tyreek Hill, right? They have almost the same skill set where they're very fast and they say, this is our guy. Here, but you can have picks. They pick 29 and 30. We'll move up. So I think that, and then you get two, right? So it makes more sense for these teams that are in their competitive window. If there are only 15 players, you said Kansas City said there's 16, right? There's 16 guys they really want. Well, then use your two picks. What good does it do you to have picks 29 and 30 if you only see 16 draftable players? Move up into the top 16. Washington gets two picks or whoever gets two picks, you get your guy. And you can see Houston at 13, their second uh, pick in the first round. They can uh, turn that into two more first-round picks. And I think a sweetener, you'd probably ask for like a second round in next year's draft. Uh, something to, to make it happen. I, I could definitely see that uh, being a, a possibility. And could Houston use more depth? Like, it's one player at pick 13. So Houston picks 3 and 13. Is any player at pick 3 or 13 going to suddenly turn Houston into a 500 team? Not a chance, right? Like, this is a long rebuild. You want more shots added. That's what you want. You want more pieces or more shots at actually hitting the all pros where pick 13, you might get one. But if you get picks, say they trade with the Green Bay, you get picks 22, 29, or 28, and a second round pick next year, that's three chances. Yeah, I think it, I think and one we in, will a, see, in a stronger class. Yeah, yes, next year looks good. Uh, we will see more draft rate trades with picks, I think, and we will see. I'm still not sure that we don't see NFL players get traded on that night too. Where you mentioned Tyree Kills already been traded, we know that Debo Samuel is currently unhappy. He's requested a trade in San Francisco. Terry McLaurin is holding out or not all that happy in Washington. DK Metcalf, the Seattle's getting ready to tear it down, it looks like, and that's a big contract. And A.J. Brown with Tennessee, right? Those are four star receivers. I think you used the word star. I will go on record as saying one has moved on uh, during the first round. Who's uh, your guess? Because I got mine. Yeah, that's a... Uh, I had I was sharing your opinion uh, leading up to uh, the, the mock draft looking at this. Uh, and I have now gone away from it because even though they could could have a ready replacement, I think it'd be better to put the two of them together on the same field. Uh, so uh, I don't see as much as he wants to. I don't see Debo moving uh, because I, San Francisco wants to win now, uh, and uh, they don't have a lot of other stuff around it, and if he goes, it puts more pressure on your other guys, and you're not going to get a replacement right away that's going to do what you want. I, I don't see it happening. And they're planning to turn their offense, their, uh, did they make it to the Super Bowl last year? Their NFC caliber offense over to a player that we've seen basically be a gimmick. Like, I like Trey Lance, but that's you want all the receivers to help Trey Lance, and right now it would be George Kittle and some question marks. 
I think the one that moves is DK Metcalf because they're already moving every everything else. Uh, and to me, I think that what's going to sell it though, because uh, again, a team like that, they're not going to they're not going to make the trade because they've already invested in this draft with the Russell Wilson trade, right? Uh, so uh, to me, I think they want a first in next year's draft and then a, a second or third in this year's. I think that's what happens there. I think since it's uh, uh, since we're talking, uh, you know, everything is devalued by a round in a future draft. I think it takes a second round pick this year and a first round pick in next year's draft. And I think that's the Green Bay Packers. I think that's DK Metcalf. I think that's the one that that makes a ton of sense there. Uh, I'm trying to think of other teams that are maybe that feel a uh, a receiver uh, uh, away. Uh, and you try to would would Kansas City consider it? Maybe. Uh, but they're more of, again, if they wanted to do that, they would have paid their guy, uh, right? They, they didn't want to pay it at the value. And again, you want to thank this ripple effect. Once again, we'll go back to inept teams or teams that just make bonehead mistakes again and again. This is all because of Christian Kirk. No disrespect to Christian Kirk. But the crazy contract that Trent Baalke, the GM for the Jaguars, gave him reset the entire wide receiver market and caused a massive ripple effect that is going to be impacting NFL this this season and next season until it, it stabilizes as what the, what the new market is. But it blew the entire market out of the water uh, and has now led to the, uh, the, the, the differences here and also has valued receivers more because of how much the top end is making. Uh, that makes you value getting guys in the first round for cheaper deals. Uh, within it. it used to be quarterbacks that was another reason why they were valued not only for being impact but because of what the contract rate is you want the cheap contract when you can get it receivers are now clearly emerging as the number two even more to me than defensive ends or other positions within it it is becoming uh, that much more appealing and valuable and why we're seeing more taking place so again DK Metcalf is the one that I think happens I and I think Green Bay is the one that makes the most sense I'd love that. Uh, they need to replace Devontae Adams, obviously. I would I would love that. They I, were willing to pay Adams, so it wasn't a matter no, of money no, there. No, they got the money to pay him now. Uh, that's not the problem. It's just kind of like DK or Debo Samuel, where I don't think Devontae Adams was unhappy in Green Bay, but it seems like he just really wanted to play with his just best a, friend, Derek Carr. Yeah, and, it was yeah. just a unique yeah. uh, uh, circumstance. It wasn't anything against Green yeah. Bay. It wasn't anything that they were contract negotiations really going sour. It was a, hey, I, I want to go here. And that's kind of what it sounds like with, uh, Debo Samuel, apparently, even though it, what makes him exceptional, like teams want the next Debo Samuel. Like right now, that is all the rage. This guy that you can take, who's a receiver, running back, and like hybrid role, but he apparently doesn't like that. He thinks he's just a receiver. And, you know, own your truth, right? Own your truth. Like, that's great. Do it. I think that the Jets, that's the one I'll still say are the most likely. I think we heard the Jets were kind of the second place in the Tyreek Tyree yep. Kill trade, yep. that they were willing to give up. I believe it was they have picked 10 and a couple of second round picks that are in the top 40. I think they can make that offer and and see and that's the one I still think the Jets make a good offer and acquire Debo Samuel that night. That's going to be the uh, uh the interesting one to see. Like there's uh uh big names that could be on the move uh that are not part of the draft class uh within it, but I think what it's going to once we get into draft day and that's what I think comes to to Debo as well though it's harder uh, when they, when you need to do an immediate replacement. But I think there's going to be more value placed on getting first-rounders in next year's draft. Uh, and a team that's willing to do that is going to move to the front of the line. 
uh, for how that goes. So again, we'll see what happens. Uh, that does lead into uh, our final uh, thought on uh, Packer conversation as we being a uh, uh, a Wisconsin-based uh, uh, area. Everyone wants to know what are the Packers going to do, especially with the unexpected trade of Devontae Adams once Aaron Rodgers came back, uh, right? And there's no one expected that to, uh, uh, if it was going to happen, both were going to be gone or both were going to stay is what the expectation was. Uh, now that there is a huge hole uh, in the uh, wide receiver room and playmakers needed if you want to maintain a championship run, uh, what does Green Bay do with two first-round picks uh, in this draft? Again, without doing too much of a spoiler. The, the team is still very talented. Like, I hear a lot of Packers fans right now, you know, we're, we're down in the dumps, and you can only pay so many good players. Like, it's a good problem to have. The Packers, coming up next year, Jair Alexander's a free agent. Coming up next year, Adrian Amos and Darnell Sandridge are free agents. Like, I don't want to be here and say, you know, they, they had to find a way to pay Devontae Adams. They paid David Bakhtiari. They paid Aaron Jones. They found a way to keep Rashawn Gary. They paid Elton. Actually, they haven't paid Elton Jenkins yet. That's another one, right? They paid David Bakhtiari. So, Packers fans, chillax. Like, this is still a really good team. Are they going to win 14 games again? Probably not. But, you know, was I disappointed they lost? Absolutely, right? Like, this was probably the best team you're ever going to put together. They should have won the Super Bowl. They didn't. Now, what do they need? Sure, losing Devontae Adams hurts. And then losing Marquez Valdez-Scantling, it, it also hurts because we saw even in the playoffs, the game they lost, Marquez Valdez-Scantling didn't play. And it's not he's certainly not Devontae Adams, but he gives a whole different type of receiver to what the Packers have, someone who can get deep and stretch the field a little bit. And they don't really have that right now. Alan Lazard is under contract. Randall Cobb is there for underneath routes. They drafted Amari Rodgers last year, who we both liked. But sure, they need receivers. I will. We, we will talk about that when we, I'm sure we at least one of these picks we'll talk about today. They will draft a receiver. Uh, they also need help on both lines. Uh, they let they've they've needed some rotational help at defensive tackle for a while. Kenny Clark is amazing. He's great. But Dean Lowry, they 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 brought in Jerron Reed. They need some help on the D line just to give him some breathing time. I think the secondary set it's probably one of the best secondaries in the league if they all stay healthy. Jair Alexander gets back. Agreed. It, they have an awesome secondary. Devondre Campbell came out of nowhere's last year, was all pro linebacker. Could they still address linebacker? They could. That that one's possible. I don't know if it's a priority early on. It could be. Uh, I do think offensive line is probably somewhere as they let their swing tackle, Dennis Kelly, go. We've seen them lose tackles left and right. Last year was kind of a rotating door over at right tackle. And they develop and, and promote from within. That's That's been their, their calling card. So mm -hmm. are they taking a, a solid uh, offensive lineman in the first two rounds? I, I'd put money on that. Yeah. I, they have four picks in the top 60 picks, right? I think you can bank on at least one if it was me, right? You bank on one offensive lineman, one defensive lineman, and at least one receiver. And then the fourth pick, wild card. Could be a linebacker, could be a second receiver, could be a tight end. I know people or, agree. Or it could be a, a used for ammunition to move up. And it could be used to go up and get somebody that you really want. So I know people in Green Bay always clamor to get a new tight end, tight end, tight end, tight end. Aaron Rodgers loved Jermichael Finley. It's like a decade ago. Otherwise, he just doesn't use the tight end. Like, for short stuff, sure. He'll, he'll hit him for, like, touchdowns and stuff for draw Britannian, but everybody, you're going to hear talk, I don't know if we'll talk about tight ends a whole lot. Trey McBride's the best tight end in this class. He went to Colorado State. He's kind of a, like, Hayden Hurstish. Like, he's good, not great, I wouldn't say. So, 
I just don't have a whole lot of desire to get a tight end in this class. So, And tight end is the position that takes the longest to develop in the NFL yep. typically, so you're not going to get immediate, uh, more immediate production out of... Immediate production out of a uh, first-year tight end is typically like what you get from a number two tight end who's already on, on a team somewhere, a solid number two. That That's it. That That's not first-round value. Mm-hmm. So I would say expect some linemen, expect some receivers, and... It's still a it's still a very good team, and do you expect them to uh, to move up? Normally, they're the team that moves down and accumulates picks. Uh, do you see them being aggressive in this year's draft? I don't think I I don't think they're going to trade picks to move up to get more picks. I don't see that happening. I could see them trading picks to get NFL players. You mentioned DK Metcalf. I think they would love Terry McLaurin. I don't know what the asking price is. Terry McLaurin is an excellent player who we've seen have... Vastly underrated. Yeah, but He's had guys like Taylor Heineke throwing him the ball. Can you imagine Aaron Rodgers throwing him the ball? Like, I think that's more likely... Could they package two picks if they... You know, I don't, maybe they love Jameson Williams. Maybe they absolutely love Jameson Williams and they think, you know, this is the guy who can stretch the field for him, which he could do. And, you know, we'll give you a first and a second. Can we move up 10 picks to take him? It's, it's possible. I would be... Sh- they're not going to trade down because they can't barely afford the players they have now. So you don't want more players. They're going to either stay where they're at or trade up because they just simply can't afford everybody. <laughs> I, the the one to me, if they trade up, I don't think it's going to be uh, for who uh, for who people think. Uh, what Green Bay loves, and they have for a long time, uh, they love the precision route runners. Uh, elite route runners that come in ready to go with that. That can uh, can play all three different uh, all three positions. The West Coast offense needs it, right? The X Y Z positions within it. You need to be able to move around the field, inside, outside, and great route running. That is, and and props to a guy who uh, had a fourth uh, fourth round draft pick himself, had a solid NFL uh, uh, career, uh, but more uh, shortened within it. Brian Hartline uh, had a solid okay. career. I watched him with Miami. Uh, but he has become the best wide receivers coach in college football, and the guys who come out from Ohio State, their route running skills are superb, sensational, put whatever adjective you want with it, and there are two of them that are going in this first round. I like Chris Olive. Uh, am I saying that right for his last name, Olive? Olave. Olave. Uh, uh, I, I like his route running he has been moving up draft boards from the beginning of uh, like first talks of mock drafts to now where we are here. He's solidly in the uh, top 15, uh, and he could slip, uh, but I think he's the one that gets pushed down from more of the, the, the splashy or ceiling guys that could be tr- taken beforehand, but who will match production, yard-for-yard uh, yard production in immediate rookie year. He is a great fit for Green Bay as far as being the right type of uh a receiver that I think can can move in and take a, an immediate role. You mentioned the talent at Ohio State. You you mentioned you know I watch a lot of college football. As good as Olave and Garrett Wilson are, they were not the leading receiver last year. They yep. actually have another one named Jackson Smith and Jigbo who's even higher rated. But yep. we'll get to him some other year. But uh, yeah, Olave fits exactly what they want. He's if they took Olave. I think they're probably going to take two or three. <laughs> as far as this draft goes, they lost two big ones. So I don't think they're going to stop at one. I think they'll probably take two or three. It might be, you know, day three, they might take, I think they have, I think they have 12 or 13 picks this draft. They have a lot. So you take Chris Olave as kind of your underneath mid range route runner. And then you take Tyquan Thornton set records. Like he, they, for a while there was a talk that he ran like a four, two at Baylor. 
and you, and you say, okay, can you stretch the field vertically? Can you beat Deshaun Jackson? Can you just force teams to have to cover this, put the safety deeper to give Chris Olave, Randall Cobb, Al Lazard more space underneath? And, and I think that's possible. I think Olave fits for what they really want. I think you mentioned Ohio State. I think Garrett Wilson fits for what they really want too. I know a lot of people want them to take Traylon Burks. He's from Arkansas. He's more of the DK Metcalf, the AJ Brown type, these big physical receivers. And they do that, but they don't tend to take them early. Like Equinemia St. Brown was a seventh round pick. Marquez Elda Scanton was a fourth round pick. Alan Lazard is undrafted. They like big receivers, but the thing that, you know, everybody will talk about they haven't taken a first round receiver in whatever, whatever it's 20 years or whatever. Well, they haven't and, they haven't lost an all pro receiver like that in twenty years either. Yeah, and it's like, but they're like they know what they like and they yep. get the best yes. production out of them, right? Like yes. they know what they get. Jordy Nelson was everyone said, oh, he's so highly. What are you doing taking him at the top of second round? They know what they want, and it's Jordy Nelson, it's Greg Jennings, it's Devonte Adams. See, technical Greg route Jennings runners is the uh, the one that comes to mind for me. Yeah, like technical route runners who can get open at all three levels. And they want sure hands because guess yep. what? If you drop a few balls, Aaron Rodgers doesn't give you the ball. Like he yes. does not like that. So they want sure hands, and and that I'm not sure that Traylon Brooks is that. I think Garrett Wilson is that. I think Chris Olave is that. And yeah, we'll see where they go. And that's going to mean trading up at least a little bit uh, into the teens uh, and potentially low teens to get the guy that they that they want. Uh, I don't think you're going to trade both first rounders to do it. Uh, I think you can do that with the second or third being uh, bumped up, depending upon how the how the the draft falls. I think that's what's going to be be key within. I think when it gets to this draft, I don't think I'm going to have him falling to them when we do our actual mock draft. But I do believe he's the guy that they're targeting. Eleven picks. I just counted it. They have eleven picks this year. So, look, if you told me they drafted three receivers, I would say that that makes a lot of sense. And. Especially with success rate, right? You're going to have, uh, you're wanting to get two out of three. You want two guys that can contribute at least somewhat uh, this year, one more impactful. And then that's what you're really going for. And we've seen him do that before. A couple of years ago, they had that, they had a gap at cornerback. And it was the, they took Jair Alexander. And then the very next round, they doubled up with Josh Jackson. Well, a lot of people really like Josh Jackson out of Iowa. I kind of like Josh Jackson out of Iowa. I thought it was a great pick. It didn't work out, but in the meantime, Jair Alexander turned into an all-pro. So Absolutely. they are not afraid to double if they down. See, if they see a weakness, they will double down, triple down on it. Even that Marquez Valdez-Scantling year at MVS and Equinemia St. Brown came in the same year. So they will take two, three shots at the apple and say, well, we only need one or two of them to work out. Last football note before we dive in is uh, uh, welcome to the age of streaming NFL uh, as uh, more in- information is coming out that uh, Amazon is already the exclusive rights holder for the Thursday night game. Uh, there's talk that they want to see a Black Friday game after we've already seen the expansion to th- three uh, Thanksgiving games with an evening primetime one. Uh, it There's enough uh, concern over how, how that would work out uh, that it likely doesn't come in this year's NFL schedule. Uh so it may not happen in 2022, but by 2023, Amazon is wanting to have uh, a Black Friday game added to the uh, uh, the weekend fund of Thanksgiving weekend. You know, it's any day that they put a football game on, people are going to watch it, right? Any day that people are not at work and they have nothing to do, people will turn on and watch football. We've seen that there was a long time where we didn't see Thursday night football all year because it was, well, how many people are going to be watched? Well, guess what? It does just fine. And so... The more games that you can put in primetime, the more people are going to tune in. They will make money off of it. I think 
was it Black Friday that we've been seeing? I think that was like the original time when golf started doing their like match play things. Now it's more common that we see the match, right? This year it's Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers versus Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. But I think golf started with that when it was Tiger versus Phil for charity. Yeah, that and was like, a big one. You thought, okay, well, are people going to watch this? And I, they got tons of viewers, and now it's like a yearly tradition. We've seen it go from golfers to even now it's NFL Cele- players or whatever, celebrities. And and if people are watching that, if you told me there's a live football game, I guess what people are going to watch. And so the concern for that game is that there would be uh, too much like watered down for that week. There's already five or six primetime uh, games that week. You have the three on, th- on Thanksgiving. You have the doubleheader on, on Sunday. You have the Sunday night, Monday night game uh, to go with it. Uh, so that's, again, that's seven games potentially right there. How many primetime games can you fit? What type of matchup are you getting? And Amazon is smart enough to, to say, like you said, if we're watching celebrity golf uh, matchups uh, for this, when there is nothing else, when there's no other games to compete with, there's one, and it's an afternoon game because they can't do anything in the evenings as part of the uh, uh, requirements with not only college but with high school playoffs. Uh, you can't do football on Fridays and Saturdays in prime time. So this would have to start at four, no later than 4.15 Eastern, Eastern Standard Time. On a, on a min, uh, that's, what is the dead zone on, on Black Friday typically? You have, you're uh, shopping in the morning. You maybe have some things going on in the in the evening. That afternoon is more like the the nap time, right? It's, it's the dead time within. If you're going to put a prime time uh, NFL game on it, yeah, you'll get the 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 ratings that are there. Well, we've seen like Thursday night football is a watered down version of it, right? Like, yeah, it's not. They they don't usually pick some very good teams to play Thursday night, so you can see some ugly games. Last year, I got I pulled it up. Week two, Giants at Washington football team. Week three, Carolina at Houston. Like, those are not marquee matchups here. Guess what? People tune in to watch. I tune in to watch. It's not – fantasy football specifically has yes. made this to the point where yes. you put two teams on TV, people are tuning in because they want to know how their players are doing. And NFL has embraced it, and it's worked out great for them, whereas, you know, we do the Heater podcast. Shout out to the Heater podcast for MLB stuff. We were just talking before we started. You know, Rob Manford hasn't. Like, his is not user-friendly, whereas the NFL has said, we will do whatever we can so people can see our product. And Apple TV is the leading, uh, uh, in fact, is now expect in the industry that they will get the NFL Sunday ticket deal. Uh, so that is going to be a uh, uh, another big one where you get into the – NFL is embracing the streaming world. They understand what's next. They understand uh, where things are going within it and needing to be uh, not attached to any cable cord. Uh, This is where uh, a lot of things are heading. They're out in front with that. It makes a ton of sense. And here's just an easy example. You mentioned fantasy within it. This might be a huge uh, fantasy uh, or huge baseball fan. I haven't done fantasy baseball until this year. I already watch a good amount of games, or at least I pay more attention to to my team. I watch almost every single Tampa Bay Rays game that there there is every year. I miss maybe a few games a year. That's it. Uh, I'm now paying attention to other games now. I'm paying more attention to baseball overall beyond what I do for the podcast or beyond just the basic stuff. I'm watching down to the nitty-gritty, getting mad at uh, an 0 for 4 from Juan Soto. What are you doing, man? You're killing me. Uh, but fantasy has changed uh, the attendance and, and uh, viewership of, of of teams and, and or of, of of people and fans, and so that's made you fans of the game, fans of specific players, and so you'll watch uh, two bad teams because their number one receiver uh, can make or break your week, uh, and so that is there. So people will watch, and even two bad teams of NFL 
gets you the same or better ratings than whatever primetime is on regular TV for any other show that is on. That's the level of viewership that is there. Amazon is willing to pay at wild card game rates at 75 to $90 million for that game, uh, and they will make their money back regardless of what team that it is because you have the only game on that afternoon. Uh, so, it, again, too many things to work out. Uh, adding another game off a short week is not something that NFL players want to do. Uh, there's still enough other things trying to work out from an NFL uh, uh, ownership or uh, administration level that they're not sure what, what they want here yet, but they also want to keep Amazon happy. Uh, and so by 2023, uh, that will uh, be in the books, I guarantee it. So I'll be watching. That's just it, right? I'll be I'll be watching. It's exactly the response uh, to anything that the NFL does to put more games on TV. With that in mind, as we've had kind of our, our primer uh, for everything here, uh, we are now uh, loosening up. We have some stretches going on here. We are getting ready to finally give you our NFL mock draft uh, as we get underway. Uh, and I think just because I, I love the jingle, I'm going to play it one more time to get you all set for the NFL Draft, the fun remix uh, here to kick things off. Hi, hello, and welcome back to the 1983 National Football League Draft. And with the first round pick, John Elway, Jim Kelly. Welcome back to the draft. And with the first round pick, Dan Marino, the NFL Draft. And with the first round pick, Deion Sanders. I was kind of scared. I thought the show was going to take me. I would ask for so much money that I had to put me on layaway. Welcome back to the NFL Draft. Good young players with the draft all about. Year in and year out. Welcome back to the draft. And with the first round pick, Aaron Rodgers. Welcome back to the NFL Draft. I've never seen anything like this. Well, we'll find out what this NFL draft is as it comes to mock draft time. Uh, and uh, in case I guarantee you he thinks I forgot, now we're at the mock draft time. It's time to say presented by River Creek Popcorn for all of your snacking needs for baseball games and movies of choice and NFL draft watching all weekend long. Come hungry, leave happy. Uh, we will have uh, uh, some uh, additional uh, munching and good stuff as we get ready to watch the uh, the draft together uh, as well. So we'll see just how right we are uh, in this mock draft. Again, we've been uh, a pretty solid success rate uh, in the first two years of doing this. Again, it's a, a shout out to uh, a pandemic time. So this is what kicked everything off before we got into the uh, fully into baseball season when there were games uh, to watch. Uh, and a chance to do that too. So NFL Draft is always a fun time for both of us, and we always have done mock drafts on our own anyways to see how the board would line up. I've been doing uh, mock drafts that way and tearing... Uh, like Nancy Pelosi at a, at a Trump uh, a speech, oh boy, tearing up a mock draft uh, uh, in, in the same rage when uh, uh, back when it was, oh, who was the, the, the Notre Dame quarterback? Brady Quinn. Brady Quinn. Oh, man. And that was a bad draft, too. So hopefully this is better uh, than, uh, than that draft. Uh, but nonetheless, we will kick off our mock draft. It's the Jacksonville Jaguars on the clock. Uh, Corey is going to take the odds. I will take evens. Uh, and again, we have not. Uh, as we haven't in previous years, we have not told each other what our mock drafts, uh, our boards are. Uh, so when he gives a pick, I have no idea which it is. So I'm going to have to pivot very quickly if it's someone that I had uh, taken for a, a different team. So it's always fun to do uh, the the back-to-back uh, uh, picks live. Uh, and so we get to see how that all matches on our board as we go down. So without further ado, Jacksonville Jags on the clock at number one. This is where this week it has shaped up. Uh, that it is. It used to be Hutchinson was a, a lock uh, for one. Now that has 
definitely shifted. And more people are coming out saying they no longer think he's the clear-cut favorite. Uh, do you have it uh, with the one uh, one season uh, high season uh, productive season upside, uh, or are you going back with the tried and true? No, no, I'm going with the upside. So we saw this team like last year. We talked Jacksonville pick one last year, and it was locked in. Trevor Lawrence was going pick one, and he wasn't very good. But I blame that on Urban Meyer. And then they got Tra- Travis Etienne with their second round pick, and that. He got hurt. So they're back at one again this year. And for a long time, here's what I do know. They are going to take some pass rusher, right? They're going to take a pass rusher. Now, there are actually three options. I don't think Kayvon Thibodeau is going to be the pick here. For a long time, I would have said Aiden Hutchinson, but I'm on board on Trayvon Walker, too, at this point. There's too much smoke for it to not be Trayvon Walker at this point. Now, do I think Trayvon Walker is worth it? Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to say that's a bad pick to take Trayvon Walker here. He's a stud. Like, we're going to talk about a lot of Georgia players. And Trayvon Walker, while it's one year, Trent Balky, you mentioned him earlier, that's the GM. He loves these guys who are super athletic, like, along the line. That's kind of how they ended up with Miles Jack a while ago. And Trayvon Walker, he gives out 100% every single play. He only had nine and a half sacks, though. That's, like, the concerning thing is the production wasn't always there. We're going to talk about probably three Georgia defensive linemen alone and possibly two other guys just on their defense. That's how good it was. And yeah. so Georgia's going to dominate the conversation in uh, in this uh, first round uh, very well. Yeah, and it's not that it's not that Trayvon Walker wasn't productive at Georgia. It was just that I think it was that he's hidden by the fact they have so many other great playmakers. But when you watch him, he's like he's unbelievably fast and extremely athletic around the corner. And at this day and age, you need pass rushers, right? And we're going to talk about a lot of pass rushers. I said that's one of the best ones. You got to get after the quarterback because if you leave them too much time, they're going to eat you apart. Doesn't matter how big your or how great your secondary is, they're going to eat you apart. So, I'm going with Trayvon Walker, pick one overall, the edge out of Georgia. Normally, it takes being wrong on a quarterback when there's two guys you think Peyton Manning, Ryan Leaf is one of the most famous ones that there are. Uh, it normally it takes picking that wrong to uh, lose uh, uh, to be a job uh, job ender. This one, by going with the one-year upside, you will now have, and since both both uh, top two picks will be uh, uh, edge players. Uh, I'm pretty confident on that. I'll, I'll make my pick in just a moment on that. But uh, you're now going to have uh, Trayvon Walker and Aiden Hutchinson being compared next to each other because of that very reason. So you better be right on Walker. Uh, it's not often that a defensive end gets someone fired, but uh, if Aiden Hutchinson becomes uh, an all-pro uh, and Walker does not, uh, that can be a kiss of death for a uh, for a GM and already one who's uh, uh, on interesting ice with what the, with the money and random stuff he's thrown around this offseason. He better be right, but he, he's always loved athletic edge players. Uh, that's his uh, athletic playmakers. That's what, uh, and he's not wrong as far as that prototype being what wins games, what is the game changers within it. And so if you believe uh, Trayvon Walker has that massive upside, he's got the uh, uh, the full engine behind him that keeps running. Uh, so I, I get it. Uh, and overall, uh, the it matches uh, what he's looking for. Uh, and with the Jags, you just want uh, playmakers in and put them with their, their other uh, very good pass rusher that they already have. Uh, that's an intriguing pairing uh, within it. So I'm... I'm interested uh, uh, to see what happens there. But yeah, Trayvon Walker, uh, first overall, is what the, a lot of people are now starting to believe is happening. In which case, 
Dan Campbell, the uh, kneecap and uh, <laughs> uh, aficionado uh, that he is, will run to the front to select Aiden Hutchinson. That is his, uh, he said, that's a Dan Campbell player. Uh, it's been said by multiple uh, uh, people within it. Uh, and uh, that one is, is an easy, uh, put the pick in and, and forget it. Uh, they won't take long with, with that one. Uh, and that uh, is in especially uh, when the obvious Michigan player. Uh, so it's uh, uh, and also a fan favorite will be be had there uh, as well. Uh, said uh, uh, one NFL GM has called him the, the steadiest player uh, in this draft. Yeah. So if I was just saying total value here, I'd have both those guys as like top five overall any draft, right? They're top five players in this draft. I probably would have Trayvon Walker behind Aiden Hutchinson, but Aiden Hutchinson is he went out and almost won the Heisman last year as a defensive player. I think he finished third in the voting. And even before the year, even if he didn't do that, he probably would have still been a mid first round pick guys that are six foot six, 270 pounds. that can play inside and outside rush the passer. Are, they're very rare, right? Like it's not typical to get players like that. Could he be JJ Watt right away? Like prime JJ Watt, where I said people that tall, where he gets up and he knocks down passes and he just plays with this unending motor. It, yeah. And that's, you said Dan Campbell, the kneecap stuff. He loves linemen. Uh, last year, they kind of got they went to the offensive line. Remember, Panay Sewell dropped, and they got Panay Sewell, and that was yeah. a great value for them, right? So Aiden Hutchinson, we thought he was going to be first. It's not as big of a drop, but I think it would be a great fit. You mentioned, obviously, the already being in Michigan thing means that Jim Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh talks about how much he likes him. I know a lot of people want to say he's not a Bosa because he's not at that, like, flexible. Okay, that's fine, whatever. He's really good. This is not going to sound at first like a compliment, but it really it is. Uh, what I have for him is a peak Emmanuel Agba. He is a similar type build, similar type uh, a player uh, overall, with especially coming out, out of college. Uh, we mentioned like the uh, Emmanuel Agba led the NFL in uh, uh, passes uh, knocked down, uh, knocked down uh, there, and was a ten sack guy. If you have that out of uh, uh, out of uh, Hutchinson at, in, in year one, if you're at eight and a half sacks uh, and uh, in the top five in passes deflecting, and these are impact plays, uh, especially when a two-way player who plays well against the run to go with it. I don't see how you would be how you wouldn't be ecstatic about that. He, I, I don't think he's the guy that gets you uh, like the the top like fifteen to twenty sacks a year within it that way. But is is he at the ten to ten to fourteen? Uh, and uh, solid two-way player. That's a Pro Bowl level player. Again, you don't have to be at at the very peak to be a great draft pick. I think this is going to be a very solid pick for eight to ten years of being a, a guy that you can count on on one side of the ball and do it very, very, very well. Well, after the first two picks, here's where everything could happen. Like pick three, we're already at pick three, and I'm not even 100 percent like. Aiden Hutchinson could go one. I wouldn't be surprised. So I said, there's nothing clear here. But there's still pick, some rumor of Kayvon uh, Thibodeau being uh, the Lions, uh, some other executives really liking him. So mm-hmm. it, uh, so there's still not, I feel com- com- comfortable saying that it's Walker and Hutchinson one and two, but could something else sneak in there? Would not be surprising. And pick three, I'm not even sure what position they're going because the Texans have a lot of needs. I said, I thought they were probably going to be the worst team in the league. They got a little better quarterback play out of Davis Mills than I thought possible. And so pick three, the god of punting. <laughs> they could go cornerback. They could go edge. They could go offensive tackle. Any one of those. And guess what? Probably the three best players left on the board happen to play those three positions, which, good for you. You get your choice. Now, for the concepts of this draft, I'm going to go with Ika McQuanu. He is the offensive tackle out of 
NC State, uh, really, really physical, uh, extremely good. Once he gets a hold of you, he will like lock you down. We saw they had success with Laramie Tunsil, right? And that they flipped him into some extra picks there. But officially, like last year alone, he had 67 pancake blocks. So this guy's getting after it. Ike Maguanu gets after it. The only thing he does is he has a few too many penalties. He had 10 holding penalties the last few years. And that's just because he's like really aggressive. I said like, it's a controlled aggression, right? You got to slow it down a little bit, but this is the type of player that I think that he could be an instantly like elite as a run blocker in the NFL, like elite at it. If he wanted to, he could slide inside to guard. You're going to want to play him at tackle, at least get to see what he can do. If nothing else, he's probably one of the best guards in the league for years and try him at tackle. That's a safe pick. Cause you can get like, I don't know if Davis Mills is going to be their quarterback going forward, but you want someone to protect him. And Ike Maguano can do that. And then you have uh, bookends if you're comfortable with uh, Laramie Tunsil at one, you have Aquanu at, at the at the other, uh, or at least you can put him at left guard next to it, and then that would be a, a dominant left side that you can do. Uh, and again, for someone to say, well, how is guard a, a, a value? If that's what you're doing, why would you pick him at three? Well, if we remember the Colts at five, Quentin Nelson uh, was done, and he has been an all-pro uh, at guard and been a key member of that line, and uh, I don't think Jonathan Taylor is minded. So... Uh, so again, what we're saying is you have an all pro potential at a couple of positions, wherever you land him, he's going to immediately impact your running game. Uh, and that's a, a safe, uh, a very safe pick. Uh, so that makes sense at, uh, at three, which is why it probably won't happen uh, because of that. <laughs> Houston never likes to, uh, make sense in what they do. So, uh, we'll see what they, they go on with that. But I believe if Ikwanu was there, the Jets would be running up at four to take him. Uh, to complete their their offensive line. Here's the weird thing about the Jets and the Texans is the Jets also have the same three big needs. It's tackle, yes. it's edge, and it's cornerback. Uh, you could make the case for receiver, but they're not taking a receiver this high. There's no Jalen Waddle. There's no uh, Devonta Smith. Right? There's no one that's going to go this high. Or but Jamar Chase. Or Jam- excuse, excuse. Oh, how could I forget Jamar Chase? Oh, I was so wrong about Jamar Chase. Well, I wasn't because I thought he was going to be good, but I was so wrong. I I feel validated in that they got beat in the Super Bowl because their offensive line was terrible. Now, yes, when we talk about evaluating needs, and so here comes part of the question within, if, if you get your needs wrong, it can bite you in the butt right of the way, even if you draft well, uh, and so you have to decide what it is that you want if you're doing short-term and long-term uh, predictions for things uh, and and putting that together. Uh, again, putting the, the quarterback and receiver duo together within it made a ton of sense. Uh, it was an excellent uh, pick for them, and Cincinnati has finally been changing. Uh, they used to be in this top-five area, uh, it's amazing how much an all-pro quarterback can can change that, but they've now been they have been drafting better uh, in recent years, so they got things going uh, well. They're going to be intriguing to see what their young core uh, continues uh, to do uh, for some for a team like the Jets to get off this list. Uh, yes, they need a quarterback, uh, but uh, there isn't one uh, that is here right now, and you still want to see what you have. You need to protect him. You need a defense that isn't giving up. Uh, Tons of points where you have a chance to try to do a balanced offense and try to see. And this leads to from Houston and the Jets and a couple other teams here. When you have multiple first round picks, that is changing how you look at a draft because you can get two things going on. Which do you prefer first? Which do you prefer second? How do you evaluate what other teams in between you are going to do? And that can impact what you do versus just saying, hey, we like this guy. Uh, So that's going to matter here as we look at Houston, as we look at the Jets. But based upon upon this, if, if, if Ekwanu was there, I think they go offensive line here. With him being off the board, I don't think they like any of the other linemen more. 
uh, then then going to a different position of need. You mentioned quarterback, uh, uh, cornerback, uh, and that gets to the the top cornerback on the board. Sauce Gardner uh, is uh, has a lot of uh, uh, moxie, swagger, fits the New York market in, in, in many different ways. Uh, to that, uh, some might say that they they prefer uh, Derek Stingley more. So there is debate as who's uh, the who's the top one or or second rated cornerback in this draft. Uh, it sounds like from what different mock drafts are saying is that their preference here is for Gardner. Uh, I would agree. I think they go Gardner here at four, and then I do believe they'll come back around to receiver in the the bottom of the bottom of the top ten. Sauce Gardner's a good pick. So last year it was cornerback was kind of high too. J.C. Horn, and it's it's similar. Sauce Gardner similar in that he's quite a bit taller than most cornerbacks you see. I think he's six two, but. When we've seen cornerbacks get picked this high, it's guys like Jalen Ramsey, and it's because they're big and fast and not just one or the other, and Sauce Gardner fits that. Now, production-wise, it doesn't look great. You're like, oh, he didn't do that much. Well, they never threw the ball at him at, at Cincinnati. I think he averaged like three targets a game last year and didn't give up more than like a 20-yard catch. So I really like Sauce Gardner. My thing with him is I don't know, like, is he going to be able to run? I think he's fast. I don't know if he's fast enough to run with, like, Tyreek Hill which is a bad I, example. But I, I think Stefan Diggs uh, fits more like there's going to be certain type of receivers that are a little, a little bit uh, bigger that are also fast, but I think you can do that. The, the smaller, shiftier guys, that's not going to be him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, he does have uh, Pro Bowl uh, uh, potential. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He could I, he could make me look silly, too, and be just locked down. He could be the Darrell Rivas replacement that they've been looking for for years. But I think it's a good pick. That gets us to the first of the two Giants picks that we're going to talk about. Actually, I'm going to get both of them here, back-to-back. Look at me go. I'm going to get both Giants picks because they pick at both picks five and seven. And so since you get a chance to frame their mindset, you're going to get that uh, within this, not knowing what happens at six, but you have uh, two right there. How does that shape uh, filling two needs in the players that are on your board? Remember, they have a new GM here. So we got Joe, is it Schoen, I think is how they say it. Joe Schoen is the new Giants GM. So... We don't really know. Brian Dable is your uh, new uh, head coach. Brian Dable's the new head coach here after being the offensive coordinator in Buffalo. So I just know what I've seen out of the Giants over the years, and it's that they love their line players, and they love having both a strong offensive and a strong defensive line. And Also fits the Buffalo Bills uh, when they were building their foundation where both, both of these GM and coaches come from. And here's the deal. Right now on the board, I have two offensive tackles I like. Two. And I have one edge player I like. Well, if I have three picks here, I think I'll take the edge player and take the chance that even if your Carolina takes one of the offensive tackles, I'll get the other one. So I'm going to select the third edge player already, and that's Kayvon Thibodeau, who before the year started, you would have said Kayvon Thibodeau is likely the first pick overall. He is extremely athletic, um, not quite as tall as Hutchinson or Trayvon Walker, not quite as big, but a little bit faster, a little more explosive perhaps is the word to use with Kayvon Thibodeau. And... Oregon, uh, he would, once again, the production doesn't look great, but he would routinely get like double, triple teamed out there, kind of uh, like Rashawn Gary didn't have a great production at Michigan. That's why I didn't like him when the Packers took him. But once again, it's you get double, triple teamed, and it gets a little harder. He's extremely versatile. Think Jadavion Clowney, like that type of athletic talent where he can do things that not many other players can. And that's an interesting one as far as that. Oregon has been starting to change the perception of the the ceiling of their players that get drafted, right? Uh, we, we saw that with a uh, quarterback that went out uh, in the last couple of years here. 
Uh, Javon Holland coming from the secondary there has been impactful. So I think some of these uh, players are raising the level of what the uh, of what their NFL uh, ability is. And so I think he's going to match that in the same fashion. And yeah, Panthers are very much looking at number six uh, at offensive tackle. Uh, and now the question becomes: Do they prefer uh, do they prefer Charles Cross? Do they prefer uh, Evan Neal? Uh, and I think that's the, the the interesting one between the two. Uh, again, I think there's a sometimes a preference more for SEC more proven talent uh, within it. You're not going to get more proven than you get out of Alabama. Uh, and so I will go Evan Neal here uh, with uh, with the Panthers. They need someone. Uh, that can uh, can do that. And again, there's some flexibility here as far as uh, he started 15 games at left tackle, 12 at right tackle, and 13 at left guard and his three seasons at, at Alabama. Uh, there's uh, The question is, what do they uh, do with him as far as uh, uh, medical issues? Some teams have downgraded him because of it, uh, but in one uh, on Monday morning quarterback, uh, they talked about uh, at least three-quarters of the teams in the league are good with his health. Uh, so I think that... Uh, is the uh, the pick uh, right here, and they can uh, they have so many needs uh, within it uh, that wherever you put him, he's going to be an upgrade. And so I think that's where I'm going here. Carolina has that's their only pick until I think the fourth round. They don't have any picks day two. So yeah. I know some people. Safe. I know some people want him to take a quarterback here. Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis. Like you want, like you said, safety. Like Carolina has shot. We saw him, was it last year, where they took all defensive players? Yeah, that was last year. They took all defensive players. and They have a good defense. And they it improved, do. right? Yeah. Like, Could the quarterback come in there and make them a winner? I don't, maybe. Probably not. I would take Evan Neal there, too, or Charles Cross. I would take one of the tackles. And so that gets me to pick seven, where I'm at the Giants. I already got my offensive lineman. I'll take Charles Cross. If, if Evan Neal would have been there, I'd have taken Evan Neal and felt good about it. I think the difference between Charles Cross and Evan Neal is – you mentioned Evan Neal can play all across the line. Uh, Charles Cross, actually like Charles Cross a little more, but it's he's a locked-in tackle, and it's once again, you're splitting hairs here. You told me that all three of the tackles that we've had are probably top 10 overall prospects in this class. Charles Cross can anchor on the left side. He's going to be a left tackle. Like I, You mentioned Evan Neal can move across. Even Ike McQuano can move across. Charles Cross is not going to move. He's going to play tackle in the NFL, and so they drafted Andrew Thomas three years ago, was it now? And Charles Cross and Andrew Thomas bookend your your tackles for the next 10 years, hopefully. You know, if that's Jan, Daniel Jones at quarterback, not Daniel Jones, Brian Dable will have to make that decision whether or not, you know, I know a lot of people really think Brian Dable can coach up Daniel Jones, and maybe he can. So getting him that lineman there where he feels a little more comfortable, that's where I'm going here. The question becomes, uh, you know, there's, there's uh, where, where does Kyle Hamilton go? Because he's been rated uh, anywhere within here his uh, – his 40 time is what has caused people to uh, question where does he go uh, within this. But again, there's there's uh, track speed and then there's playing speed. Uh, and you look at the tape uh, and you go back to looking at the tape. Kyle Hamilton is an excellent safety. The uh, thought that maybe he the Giants could be intrigued by him at, at seven. Uh, but whenever you have a new regime coming in, uh, building the foundation, building the lines uh, makes, again, a, a ton of sense. Uh, and they're able to do that on both sides of the ball with top 10 picks here. Uh, that makes more sense to me than going after a, a potential safety. The question, though, is going to be, where does Hamilton land? It's not going to be at 8 with the Falcons. Uh, have you seen their wide receiver depth chart? Uh, 
it's it's the way that uh, if you go to back to the movie Major League, when they're looking at their roster, when the executives are lining up on the board to say who's been invited to spring training, and you're looking at this list, the one guy's like, "This guy here is dead." Uh, that's something like somebody's got like this guy's way past his prime. Some of these guys never even had a prime. This guy here is dead. Cross him off then. Uh, that's the level of the Atlanta Falcons receiving board uh, right now. They need a a receiver in the worst way. Uh, they're going to get the first crack at what is going to be a, a run on wide receivers. I will go with uh, Drake London uh, from uh, USC. Uh, he is uh, tantalizing in every way as far as being a, a game breaker uh, that has uh, uh, a a physique to him. Uh, his his elite skills uh, are again very very interesting as we get into the the post Matt Ryan era. Yeah, there's not many receivers that are six foot four that can run like Drake London. And if you watched USC last year, Drake London only played half the year. And he, I think he, I don't remember if he broke his ankle. He hurt his foot somehow. And he still had 90 catches. Like he was on pace for an historic season. And it was because they just forced him the ball. And everybody knew it was coming to him and you couldn't stop it. So I know there's been talk of, you know, USC receivers, oh, they, they blow up. They're not good, right? Like, going back a ways, Dwayne Jarrett and some of that stuff. But the last few we've seen, Michael Pittman's pretty good. And Amon Ross St. Brown, go back to last year. I said I listened. I was all over Amon Ross St. Brown. That was my guy. And I, I feel validated in that one. So Drake London's like a bigger version of that. And so can Drake London – here's the fun part about Drake I London. I know all about Amon St. Brown with uh, uh, some uh, some uh, fantasy football <laughs> glory, not going to lie. Uh, yeah. Uh, here's the fun part about Drake London. The fact that eventually you're going to need a quarterback. Uh, Matt Ryan – you know, they're going to need a quarterback. So Kyle Pitts and Drake London give you two guys who are like twin tower tall. Like they, that's fun to throw to. Like you don't need perfect quarterback play when you have guys that are six foot six and six foot five and can run like that. So I think it's a great pick there. That's probably what I would have done. That gets me to nine Uh, Seattle. I should have mentioned. So pick seven when I did the giants, that was actually the bears pick. That's from the Justin Fields trade last year. So pick nine here, Seattle. This is actually Denver's pick though. Uh, this is from the Russell Wilson trade. This is actually would be Denver's pick, but Seattle's making it because they traded away their franchise quarterback, right? Uh, Russell Wilson got moved finally. We, he was the one quarterback between Aaron Rodgers and all those ones we heard that was going to get traded. Well, Russell Wilson did. He is now on Denver, but Seattle now has needs. And this is the team that's, if you're talking like teardowns, we talk teardowns sometimes, this is the team that seems like they're in the process of trying to figure out what's going on. Could they take a quarterback here? Sure, they they could. They're probably the most likely of the teams. You know, Pittsburgh or excuse me, Carolina could have taken a quarterback. But I can tell you this: if you take Malik Willis or Kenny Pickett, you don't want him playing for this team early on. Like you do not want them because this team has had a bad offensive line for a long time, and Russell Wilson saved them from looking really bad. So it's kind of a tough pick where you want to say your best player available, perhaps. There's all three of the offensive tackles are gone. They would have loved any of them. The quarterbacks, you could take Malik Willis. You could take Kenny Pickett, but you probably want to just see if you can really tank this year and get one of those. I said, you want a top two, three pick next year and see if you can get Bryce Young or CJ Stroud. So I don't think they're going to take a quarterback. I'm going to go with Jermaine Johnson. That's another edge player. So Jermaine Johnson is the edge out of Florida state and he only played at Florida state one year. Guess what? He was on Georgia. And the reason he had to transfer was Georgia's really good. So it's not a slight on Jermaine True. Johnson's ability, but one year down at Florida State, and then he's ultra productive. And he's another one, you know, 6'5", 250. This is more of the, 
outside linebacker, pass rusher. We've seen them have success with this type of player up there before. Now, we also know that they make they are a team that loves to find their type of guys. Now, I don't know if this is their type of guy, but he's fast and he's long, and that's usually what they like. That is that is how they tend to build their teams. Uh, I've seen a lot of Zadarius Smith the last few years in Green Bay. That's kind of what I see when I see Jermaine Johnson, this guy who can push the pile, but can he's really he really gets after it, and he can go around the side and get to the quarterback. And so I'm going to have him take Jermaine Johnson here. As we look at the the second uh, uh, uh Pick for the New York Jets at 10. So this would be the Jamal Adams trade from Seattle, right? Correct. I believe, yes. As Seattle has a ripple effect of uh, of picks that they're influencing here. Uh, this is now where receiver makes a, a ton of sense. Uh, and uh, the, the question is, who do you have second on your receiver board? Uh, I'm going to go with Garrett Wilson from Ohio State. But if they were looking at a different receiver, uh, as we get into this cluster, again, you can uh, make a case for a lot of different guys here. Uh, who would be the next on your list uh, of, of who they'd be debating between? Garrett Wilson is one. Who else you got? I think Jameson Williams. I said I think this could be the trade, that, a, a pick that gets traded for Debo Samuel, but I think Drake London's off the board. I think for them it's, it makes one of the Ohio State guys or Jameson Williams are the three that make the most sense for them. I think just because we know they wanted Tyree Kill, Jamison Williams makes a lot of sense because that's that extra speed factor, whereas Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave are more, it's not that they can't get deep, but it's not, they don't have that burning speed that Jamison Williams has. So do you think that there's going to be a strong contention between Garrett Wilson and uh, Jamison Williams for, uh, uh, I think they're more likely to go two. I think that those are, that's two and three. I think that they, I like Chris Olave. I think that Jamison Williams and Garrett Wilson are more likely to go two and three than Olave is just because, once again, it's like, like an upside type of thing. Like It's not that Chris Olave couldn't step in and be Terry McLaurin, but Terry McLaurin was a second-round pick, right? Like He could step in and do that, whereas I think, you know, I said, Jamison Williams, you, you could hope for Tyree Kill and get that. You could possibly get there. Garrett Wilson, you, know, you mentioned Stephon Diggs. You could get Stephon Diggs out of Garrett Wilson. I don't know if you get that out of Olave. You might get, know, that's bad. like Jamison Crowder, I don't know it's a bad comp, but that type of a player, whereas those guys, you're shooting for the moon and – I think it makes. I love Garrett Wilson there with the Jets. I think that they need a quarterback. They need some help at receiver. We saw. I was never a big Zach Wilson guy. He struggled a lot, and this is your chance. Like, okay, Zach Wilson, you've got a receiver now. They they should. You should be able to produce with the team that they've put around you. We just got you a receiver, and now we have a cornerback earlier in the draft. So, yeah, I like it. So we have Garrett Wilson then at uh, number 10 for the New York Jets. So that puts me up for pick 11 to the Commanders. So here's another one, right? Could they take a receiver? Absolutely. They could certainly take a receiver there because it's kind of lacking right now. Uh, They could also, I think they would have liked a cornerback. This could be a Kyle Hamilton fit. They like those type of players too. So, hmm, I'm thinking here because I kind of plan on giving them Garrett Wilson and you stole him from me. So... I still have another Ohio uh, yeah. uh, State uh, receiver pairing. If you wanted to do that, yeah, they do. No, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Kyle Hamilton here. I think this. I think Kyle Hamilton is a type of player that Washington wants. Uh, you mentioned it. You know, early he tore his ACL, so he only played I think half the season this past year for Notre Dame. But and he did not run well at his pro day, and that's possibly why he's dropping. But it, watch the film. Football talent alone, like Kyle Hamilton. A few months ago is probably a top three to five pick pretty easily. 
safeties don't usually get picked that high because they have to be very special. And Kyle Hamilton is really special. Like remember a couple of years ago when Isaiah Simmons got picked really high, that's the type of player that Kyle Hamilton is where he's bigger and fast, you know, six, four safeties he can don't move all over the field. Yeah, six, he's four a chess safeties piece. like that. Don't grow on trees. And we saw, you know, this could be the, one of the, we've seen this team like safeties, you know, Sean Taylor, right? Leron Landry, where they've taken them early. And so Kyle Hamilton is the type of player that if you want to get creative with him, it can be that defensive weapon that we talked about with Isaiah Simmons a few years ago. So it brings us to uh, uh, number 12 with the uh, Minnesota Vikings. And uh, here is one where now we see our second cornerback uh, going off the board. Derek Stingley uh, makes a, a lot of uh, a lot of sense here. Uh, there was a, let's see, I'm trying to find a, one GM uh, referenced uh, that uh, he was the best NFL prospect in the country as a freshman, and his workout this spring showed a lot of uh, Daryl Rivas uh, to him. So uh, high ceiling is definitely there. Uh, it's uh, some injury issues that have definitely been been there as well. Uh, but there's elite talent uh, there coming from a, a very uh, good program. Uh, so uh, Stingley to the Vikings at 12. Uh, is what I have. We know LSU kicks out good corners, right? We've seen it with Patrick Peterson. We've seen it with others. But the difference between Stingley and Sauce Gardner is two inches. That's the difference. And there you go. Stingley, I've watched, you know, I watch a lot of Alabama and Alabama fam, right? So I, you go back, I think it was not last year, maybe the year before, Alabama like targeted Derek Stingley when everybody thought this guy is, you know, top five player. It's just the fact that he has problems where he can't necessarily run with someone like that year. It was the Jerry Judy, and he's just not locked in to what he needs to as far as like these elite route runners. And what I do think Derek Stinley can do well is his ability to be like he has really good ball skills and he can tackle. So Minnesota, it's a perfect fit of need and talent, whereas some of these guys we've talked about need and maybe it's not the perfect talent, but. Derek Stingley, I think they would have liked Kyle Hamilton too. You know, Harrison Smith's not getting any younger, so I think that would have been a good fit as well. But Derek Stingley, number 12, Minnesota makes a lot of sense. That gets us to pick 13. I am at Houston again, so I've already picked Houston once with Ikema Kwanu. Now I'm back to Houston again at pick 13. This is the Cleveland draft pick, but they obviously, I don't know if we even mentioned it, Cleveland gave up a lot of their draft to get Deshaun Watson. And so Houston has extra picks, not only this year, but going forward. Deshaun Watson finally moved, and then Cleveland gave him a massive extension to be their quarterback of the future. I do think that this is a pick here where you could see Houston want to trade down, try to get more picks yet again. I think that's very, very possible. If someone's sliding in in our draft here, we're doing, you know, Jamison Williams is still on the board. Any of the quarterbacks, any team that truly wants a quarterback, this could be a spot where you see them try to trade up. But... For this case, we're going to keep this pick here. So I think they would have loved Derek Stingley. They didn't get the cornerback early in Sauce Gardner. They probably would have wanted Derek Stingley. Could they try to fill in quarterback here? Yeah, they probably could. I'm going to go with, hmm, how about, we already gave them one offensive tackle. Let's go cornerback. We're going to go Trent McDuffie here. So in this case, Trent McDuffie is the next cornerback. He is out of Washington. Uh, once again, a little smaller than both Sauce Gardner and Derek Stingley. He's only about 5'11", but still plenty good. His thing is he can play slot, whereas those guys can't. We've seen I've seen him play slot at Washington. Very good man coverage tackler. 
or a very good man coverage defender. Uh, because he can play slot, he's a little more versatile than those other guys. I think, you know, they traded away Byron Murphy a few years ago. Or no, they didn't trade away Byron Murphy. Who did Texas have? Mm, doesn't matter. They need a cornerback, right? I think he's that type of player like a Byron Murphy where he's a little long, can move inside and outside. So now they have a cornerback to help on defense. They have Ike Aguanu to help him on offense. They're still looking, you know, could they possibly improve quarterback later on if they want to? Yeah. Yeah, again, Houston has so many different needs that you have uh, many opportunities to take up players and, and plug them in. Uh, and at this point, it, it is just just good player, any good player. Uh, you just need to accumulate um, uh, players in that regard. Uh, that makes a, a ton of sense there as we get to a number 14 with Baltimore. And I think there's, if McDuffie was on the board, I think there'd be interest. Uh, I, I think this goes down now to uh, two uh, potential players. Uh, this gets into a, a team that understands what a dominant nose tackle can do. Uh, and that leads you to Jordan Davis's name coming up. It's such uh, a Baltimore pick, too. It, that one is, as well as uh, uh, Trevor Penning, offensive tackle for Northern Iowa. Again, they did lose Morgan Moses, uh, free agency, so there is uh, the possibility right there. Uh, if you felt comfortable in him moving from the left to the right side, as well as uh, you know, Ronnie Stanley has uh, had his own injury issues there, their left tackle, where uh, you now have someone on the board that you could move uh, uh, if, in case of injury. Uh, both of those are very much Baltimore picks. Uh, and so the question becomes, which one has more of the upside? Which one is going to also, which need could you fill later, uh, potentially in the draft uh, as well? Uh, for this one, I'm going to say Jordan Davis because I'm going. To, you'd want to go with the, uh, the pick that uh, you can try to find a tackle later easier than you can an elite nose tackle. Uh, and so again, with Baltimore, it's their type of uh, their type of pick, uh, and uh, he can also learn from uh, one of the best in the game. Maybe not as a nose tackle, but when you have Calais Campbell uh, re-signing there, there's a a legend who's uh, carved out a uh, a wonderful career. Uh, that's a great veteran to learn on the defensive line from. And again, very much a, a Baltimore pick. Yeah, this is this is the Haloti Nata replacement from years ago, right? Jordan Davis is. A true mountain of a man, you know, six six, three forty, and he runs his combine like was a off the charts. Like Jordan Davis is, was it last year? The Carolina took like Derek Brown, right? Derek Brown went early on, and I think Jordan Davis is a twenty pounds heavier version of Derek Brown. Like we saw Derek Brown go early last year with what could he do at Auburn? Well, Jordan Davis, if you can limit, he can't play every snap because he's just too big, right? He's got to be, and he's probably not going to be a big pass rusher, but he can absorb two, three blockers easily. And you mentioned Calias Campbell. Right? Like that's you put those two together, you can almost eat the up an entire fi- line, the right? Physicality like, uh, of that the Baltimore they love to punish the their opposition. This is very much a punishing opposition pick. I think it's. I think it would. That would. If I would have made that pick, I would have picked Jordan Davis too. So. That gets us to this weird Philadelphia Saints range of the draft where they dominate the next four of the next five picks. So I get Philadelphia here. This is – was this the Miami trade? This is from Miami, I think, last season. I think right about that territory yeah. where that would have been their, their pick, yep. I think so. This is not theirs. Now, they have plenty of needs as well. They actually had more picks, but they made a trade with the Saints to get rid of one. So they had three picks here, but now they only have two. Uh, I don't think there's any question here. They have – Big needs at corner. They have big needs at wide receiver. The three cornerbacks are gone. 
Uh, Jamison Williams is not. So what we saw a few years ago where they tried to take a shot with, what was the Houston guy or TCU guy? Mm, Jalen Rager. Thank you, Corey. Jalen Rager, and that did not work out. Jalen Rager did not work out. So Jamison Williams is my pick here. I think it's a very good fit here. He stretches the field. So you talked about Ohio State. Jamison Williams was at Ohio State. He transferred to Alabama for, once again, just one year where he was dominant. He can play from the slot. He can play outside. If you're going to play him outside, though, it's the same thing we talked about last year when they took Devonta Smith out of for this team. Now, Devonta Smith, not the burner that Jamison Williams is. Excellent underneath. But once again, he's kind of tiny, right? So Jamison Williams probably doesn't weigh 190 pounds if he's soaking wet. And he's coming off of a torn ACL. So you got to be careful with Jamison Williams. you got to try to find a way to get him off free releases because some of these bigger cornerbacks that we're talking about, these 6'2 guys, they're probably – 40, 50 pounds heavier than him and two, three inches taller than him. So if you're bumping him, it could be hard to get him going. So you put him in motion, you find him in a bunch, you find a way to get him off the release, and Jamison Williams is going to be a very good NFL player. Again, when you add uh, add to the the solid pick last year, Devonta Smith, again, you're uh, building up that receiving core. Uh, and this is a team that is... Again, mirroring uh, Miami as far as we're building a, a, a solid offense, whether we have the quarterback now or for the quarterback that comes later, uh, right? And you have them by punting one of their first-round picks to next year. Yes, it's more value and potentially a better class next year, but that's also the uh, we're keeping our ammunition available if we need to upgrade at the quarterback position. And so that felt like a uh, both you already have solid help now, but then you're trying to keep one eye on, on, the, on the future. Uh, and so that screams that move to me. Uh, the, the receiver makes a, a ton of pick uh, here uh, for Philly and addressing that need and continuing to build up that offense. You get the fun one here because I've said before, the Saints are low-key a bad drafting team. They're, they get a bunch of credit for the Elvin Kamara, Ryan Ramchick year. And rightfully so, right? Marshawn Lattimore, they had all those guys in one pick. That was awesome. A legendary class. Yeah. Beyond that... They make some of these strangest selections. Now, I will strange for sure. Yeah, uh, and it's a roll of the dice uh, more so than what the draft normally is. Uh, they were they had the massive trade up. I remember it was the year when the uh, the Packers ended up trading back, and it worked great for the the Packers, but it also worked great for the Saints. Uh, Marcus Davenport mm-hmm. first was draft like they drafted up for him. Like I, it was it was more of a he was not a. In draft circles, he was known, but he was not a, a big name from a big school. But they they were right uh, on him. But they get more credit for the right than they do the wrong. And so this is another one of those where where do they go here? And they have a lot of needs now. This is a team that was yeah. really good, and now they have a lot of needs. Uh, with uh, losing uh, Taron Armstead, is this now a, does Trevor Penning come back up there? Who's a be a nice fit for for left tackle right there? That's a definite one. Uh, do they get in the, the receiving game? Uh, Traylon Burks is still on the board, am I correct? So that's another one where it, it fits uh, uh, for trying to do that. And so the question becomes, and I'll throw it to you as well, as, as you debate uh, foundation versus uh, splash. Uh, uh, Traylon Burks uh, would be a, uh, opposite uh, of Michael Thomas. That, that's a, a nice uh, uh, pairing there as they look at uh, trying to make the offense or keep the offense exciting in the uh, post-Sean Payton world. Uh, do they go there and pick up a skill player, or do you take the uh, what is the uh, the the red light flashing there, saying, "Hey, there's a huge hole at left tackle, uh, and there's a left tackle here." I take the left tackle in that case because yeah. 
Yep. I, they have another pick coming up here shortly, and they can get a receiver if they want. Now, we already saw Jamison, Jamison, Jameis Winston got hurt right away because they have a really, they should have a good line. But it wasn't that good last year. They just year. couldn't stay healthy. All yeah. of like you have like they have ver- a very good offensive line if everyone was actually on the on the field at the same time, and it never panned out for them. You feel bad for them in that regard. They they built the right way. Uh, Cesar Ruiz was uh, an underrated uh, draft pick though, that's coming and been solid for them. You have uh, uh, another offensive lineman that's been very good for them, whose name is escaping me right now. And you had Teron Armstead, one of the top five uh, offensive tackles, uh, left tackles in, in the game, but they couldn't be on the field at the same time. Eric McCoy is who you're thinking of, Thank or you. Andrews Pete, one of the two, because they do have a lot of good. They have linemen, but it didn't work. You need a new left tackle. If I was you, I'm taking Trevor Penning there. And that's exactly what you you do here. There's this is a square peg, square hole. Uh, the way the board has lined up, uh, Trevor Penning makes a lot of sense here. Uh, it fits a, a, a glaring need. Uh, and again, because you have other picks coming up here, uh, the offensive line class is is uh, is. Much more thin than where you're at at wide receiver. You'll get a crack at a wide receiver by waiting. You may not at left tackle if you do it in the reverse order. So Trevor Penning is the pick here at 16. And the question with Penning is, you know, Northern Iowa, that's where he went to. It's a small school. Correct. But I think he's very clearly the fourth tackle when you watch it. He's behind Cross and Aquanu and... But then he's he's right there. He's behind Cross, Aquanu, and Evan Neal. But then he's right there, and it makes a lot of sense for him there to fill it in that spot. Who do you have at, at five then for, for tackles? Because it seems when you look at the board and the way it lines up in draft boards that there's a there's a drop. Mm-hmm. Like, there's already a drop from one to three, but when you count one to four, there's a drop after that. Yep. So my next one is Bernard Raymond. He's a, he's 26, so he's a little older, but he's at Central Michigan. So once again, yeah, it, it and I won't. He will not be a first round pick, I don't believe. Tyler Smith gets some love there. I think he's more of a guard. It's out of Tulsa. We'll we'll talk about that in a, in a few picks because I'm going to get your your thoughts on base of what I've heard, yeah. uh, and uh, within it. So we'll we'll come back to that. Well, let me make my pick here then. So I get the Chargers, who are low key a really good drafting team, like really yes. good at it. They don't get a lot of credit for it. Whereas I say I think the Saints get too much. The Chargers are low key great at drafting. Not a lot of needs. The one need they do have, they just got mad because Trevor Penning got picked. Uh, they want to protect their all-world quarterback that they have that's really young, and they have definite offensive line needs. The other needs, not nearly as big. They have a pretty good defense. I don't think they're going to go secondary here. Obviously, they're not taking a quarterback. In that case, it becomes, well, there's no offensive tackle we like. You take the best player available. I think it's Devontae Wyatt. So we already had one Georgia mm. defensive tackle go off the board. I think that Devontae Wyatt, no, he's a little older. He's 24. He's not, we talked with Jordan Davis, you know, he's 340 pounds. Devontae Wyatt isn't that, but Devontae Wyatt's the pass rusher in the group too. Jordan Davis eats space. Devontae Wyatt gets after it. So once again, this is the fourth Georgia player I think we've already had drafted, but uh, Devontae Wyatt, they put him inside, right? You got the Bosa on the outside to make the pass rush. Devontae Wyatt pushes the pile, pushes the line right up the middle. He can get some pass rush too. It makes your already pretty good secondary even better because the quarterbacks have less time. I'm going to take Devontae Wyatt there. So that takes us to? We are on the Eagles again. So we just so picked for them Jamison Williams. I picked Jamison Williams. You get to make your choice for the Eagles. So we've had the uh, receiver has been uh, has been filled for them. Uh, where are you at as far as when you're looking at uh, draft board and draft needs? Uh, receiver w- was one big one. Uh, what are they? Uh, what other positions are they 
uh, looking at, especially when you can get a first-round talent uh, to to address? I think they would like a cornerback. I don't know if, you know, maybe they like Andrew Booth, who's another Georgia player here. That that would be a cornerback that they could take. I think they could rally. They they lost. Uh, Brandon Graham retired on him, so they need a pass rusher. I, there's some good pass rushers still left. And guard, you said it's not necessarily a big need. I think that there are at least two guards coming here before the, st- the first round is done in my mind. That's Zion Johnson and Tyler Linderbaum, who is just an awesome player. Kind of think Creed Humphrey from last year, that type of talent, but he's just locked into center. If he played you know, tackle, he'd probably go in the top five, but that type of thing. I think they want to try to give Jalen Hurts a better chance, and maybe that's just me trusting Jalen Hurts a little more than they do, but I want them to give Jalen Hurts the chance to truly get better at this because I feel like he's got good – they have good talent there, but it's set up to not be successful for what the the skill set of players they have. Yeah, I think they if they could go cornerback, uh, they would they would want to here. There isn't one on the board that matches the pick, uh, and they do want to give uh, either again. It's either Jalen Hurts uh, that you're trying to give a better shot to, uh, or whoever comes next. And so there's no wrong answer here. When you improve the offense, you're improving the offense for either the quarterback you have now or the quarterback you could have in another year. Uh, so that's that's going to matter. Uh, so I think you're looking at someone like Zion Johnson, who has the flexibility across the board. I think that's a, an intriguing one here with it. If you wanted to go the other side of the ball, Devin Lloyd. Again, you're looking for impact at this stage. Uh, Devin Lloyd is an intriguing uh, a linebacker for sure. Uh, but uh, I think what you're saying before is right. I think at this stage, uh, if there isn't any, any elite talent, Devin Lloyd is very intriguing, uh, but if there isn't an elite talent right there that fits a, a major need, building the offensive line, continuing to do work on the offensive line makes a ton of sense. Uh, and Zion Johnson has been uh, uh, growing up the, the draft boards in the weeks leading up to the draft. I like him here as a safe uh, interior pick who can play. Even at the Senior Bowl, they had him uh, taking some snaps uh, at center. Now, again, they resigned their their all-world center uh, there with it, so you don't need that. But, again, that positional flexibility along the interior of the line allows you to keep building that up. So I'm going Zion Johnson here at 18. That's who I was saying. You're nailing it. That's who I would have taken, too, Zion Johnson. They run that weird, like, because you have Jalen Hurts, you can run, like, a zone-running scheme a la like the Niners and Zion Johnson's a perfect fit for that. He moves really well side to side. He's not super. I mentioned we were talking about, you know, Ike Aguano, like leveling guys out there. That's not Zion Johnson, but he's really technically sound. And I think that would fit well with the skills that they have with Miles Sanders and Jalen hurts in the backfield there. So if, uh, if uh, Kelsey had either, excuse me, moved on or retired, then I think uh, you have a center fit here. Because uh, the, the challenge with uh, uh, the, the Iowa center, uh, Linder... Tyler Linderbaum. Oh, thank you. Um, uh, he's only one scheme where he's going to be elite. Uh, and so it has to be a zone running, the especially like the outside-inside zone uh, scheme is going to work well with him. Not everyone runs that. Philadelphia does. So if they had a hole there that was a possibility... Uh, he'd be a great fit here. Since they don't, Zion Johnson makes the most sense. So now I get to pick for the Saints after you got to pick for the Eagles after I picked for them. I get to pick for the Saints after you picked for them. So you already gave them Trevor Penning to fill that need. You mentioned Traylon Burks. He's still there. Chris Olave is still there. That's Those are good fits for a receiver. 
But this is where I'm going to give the first quarterback. I think that they obviously they are the type to do it. They they will take chances on this. We know they paid a ridiculous amount of money to Taysom Hill to play fullback, tight end, gunner, quarterback, whatever he is. And Jameis Winston has one year left, so you don't have to start this guy this year. But I said Malik Willis has all the talent in the world, right? He needs to be coached up. Uh, I've seen Sean Payton coach up a quarterback, and this is where I think Malik Willis fits very well for what they need. Can Pittsburgh next? They have a need for a quarterback too, so they, they could easily take Kenny Pickett and just keep him in Pittsburgh. They could have liked Malik Willis because of his physical skills, but you know Drew Brees, for Hall of Fame quarterback, right? Absolutely amazing. But Malik Willis can do things that Drew Brees couldn't do, and I think Sean Payton would have a lot of fun at least trying to explore what Malik Willis can give him on a field where he's never had that running quarterback type. And so he sits, he gets drafted, he sits a year. He's got Trevor Penning then, as you mentioned, how good the offensive line could be. I'm going to take Malik Willis and say, let him develop a year. It it fits New Orleans. If anyone's going to take a gamble on one of these uh, quarterbacks, it fits them both for need as well as their – what they think they can do with with projections, uh, and so I think that's a uh, uh, a key thing here. Uh, and I think this is this would be where uh, if a quarterback is going to go, we've now reached the the stage in the draft, especially as we look at the next pick at at, uh, at pick twenty. So I set uh, you up here; it's all set up for you. You just keep him in Pittsburgh, and and there are rumors uh, of that. If he's available, this is the team that they feel. Uh, I don't know if there's anyone else that has Pickett going in the first round to a different team. I think if he goes in the first, uh, the hometown team is the one uh, that is looked here. Mel Kuyper uh, has him there. I think the Monday morning quarterback uh, uh, with uh, Sports Illustrated has him going here. Uh, I, it's it's an interesting uh, possibility. So, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, go ahead. So, they signed Mitch Trubisky, right, to replace replace Ben Roethlisberger I think Ben Roethlisberger Pittsburgh legend right all famer too in his own right Mitch Trubisky might be better than Ben Roethlisberger at this point and that's not like a hot take it's just because you know he got old and that happens so if you take Kenny Pickett he doesn't play this year either you you play Mitch Trubisky this year and you say okay well with Mitch Trubisky's good we're set that's the same that's the Aaron Rodgers Jordan Love thing right they took Jordan Love that and they're set you have two now you just figure out what you want to do with them and if Mitch Trubisky goes back to being Bears Mitch Trubisky, you turn it to Kenny Love or Kenny Pickett next year. Now, they also have a ridiculous need along the offensive line. It's the same need they had last year. They took Najee Harris. I was fine with that pick, right? But they have a substantial need along their offensive line at guard, at tackle, at center. Like, if you mentioned Tyler Linderbaum, he would fit here. Kenyon Green fits here. But so does Kenny Pickett. Your pick, man. Yeah, this is a – there are no offensive linemen that I feel – wild about at this point with the exception of a couple of guys in certain places I don't like the Linderbaum here with this offense I th- I think they have more of the they need meatier uh, guys within it now that's again may not be right in terms of the assessment I think people are, are undervaluing uh, Linderbaum uh, at this point but I, I don't think that's a Steelers pick I think that the wrestling that has gone on here is I don't remember if he's gone on record with it or it's just been loudly through other sources uh, that uh, are head coach here does not want a rookie QB. Uh, He wants a veteran. Uh, And this might be the way in which the marriage is done. They signed him a veteran. 
They want to develop the next quarterback. Uh, that's the front office, what uh, Pittsburgh wants to do here within it. They want to get that there. This might be a way of offering both and letting competition do its thing. Uh, and so I think Mitch, Trubis- Mitch Trubisky is one, and I think that uh, uh, Kenny, Pickett. Kenny Pickett is number two. So I think in a, in a draft where there's not uh, uh, heavy on quarterback, I think we have the two quarterbacks going back-to-back uh, with Kenny Pickett at 20. Ooh, yeah, I like it. I get New England, another team that's kind of hard to predict, usually what they want to do. One, one last oh, thing sorry. within the one I could see them doing, and, and I don't see anyone predicting this, uh, which is even more reason why I see them doing it. Pittsburgh is an underrated drafting team as well. Uh, I very much could see them going receiver here. No one gives them anything for receiver. I don't see it anywhere in mock drafts. But to me, my mind is screaming out, especially with uh, a coach that doesn't uh, care for uh, uh, rookies at the quarterback position. I could very much see them taking uh, Traylon Burks or Chris Olave. Like This could be a pick here that people don't expect that would mess up the rest of the board for guys that are eyeing that up. But I'm not going to do that here. Uh, but just don't be surprised if it happens. All right, now to the Patriots. Uh, yeah, they're a tough one always to pick too because they're another team that knows what they want and they pick it. And it doesn't mean that I know what they want. They know what they want. They pick it and it usually works out because they have a very good coach. I'm going to throw two names at you okay. uh, and then we'll see how it lines up with what you got here. I think this is where, again, we go back to Georgia, N'Kobe Dean, a linebacker. I uh, heard his name being mentioned here as a possibility and a fit. But this is where Bernard Ryman uh, is being mentioned as far as, uh, I forget, it was with uh, uh, Daniel Jeremiah uh, was talking about how there's a lot of Sebastian Vollmer uh, in him. Yes, he's is older. That's the uh, one that's uh, the big knock on him. But when it comes to uh, ability, production uh, with it, there's no question on that. It's, it's age. Uh, I don't think... Uh, 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 you have an older head coach, legendary head coach, who doesn't really care about what happens five years from now. It's about the right now. Uh, even though he's being pushed down uh, due to his age, could I see the Patriots going with uh, uh, with Bernard Ryman here? Again, I think this is the one team that would consider him in the first round. Yeah, I said, if, if, if that's the guy they want, they will take him and they will know what they get. They, they manipulate the draft as well as anybody going up and down to get the players they want. And it's why they've been good for... Decades, even last year, you know, we both, I said, I didn't think Mac Jones was that good and I was proven wrong, right? They, they turned him into a winner. So good for them. Bernard Ryman, possible. Kenyon Green, I think is a better offensive line prospect at this point. He's possible here too. They certainly have needs along the offensive line. I said, you want to protect Mac Jones, right? He needs a good line. I'm going to go with the linebacker though, but I'm not going with N'Kobe Dean. I'm going with Devin Lloyd. I think Devin Lloyd's yep. a better linebacker out of Utah. Uh, a little bigger. N'Kobe Dean, if N'Kobe Dean was six foot three instead of five foot ten, he would go t- in the top ten. Like that type of linebacker yep. prospect. Yep. Now, I don't always agree with that, but it is where we're at. Like we're trying to predict this. He's too short for the NFL to really want him, I think. Well, I think what it comes down to is you have to do for him. What Georgia did for him, they had two mm-hmm. mammoth defensive tackles. A, a perfect example of that, uh, Dolphins, Tim Bowens, Daryl Gardner, Zach Thomas. Those two guys ate up the middle. Zach Thomas was all over the, over the field, massively impactful. If you want Dean on your team, you need to invest in your defensive tackles, and then that will give him the space uh, to uh, to shine. But yeah, Lloyd is and, the better of the two at this stage. And what we've seen with New England and their linebackers is they draft the they draft the big guys like they Jamie do. Collins. They want big Dante guys. Hightower. Dante Hightower, right? So Devin Lloyd, you know, six three, two forty. That's that's pretty big, and he can cover. 
He can tackle. I think that, that that's where I'm going here. He seems to be the type of player where they love these position versatile guys, right? That's what they want. Bernard Ryman can play inside. He can play outside. So it would make sense too. I'm taking Devin Lloyd though. I think their defensive need at this point is a little stronger than their line need. I would ag- agree with that. And so now it gets to... I'm giving uh, look. You get to make the picks here. I'm giving you both Packers picks happen to be even, and I said before we started, you get the even picks for that reason. Don't mess up. And so again, I think there's there's definitely talk. Do they want to go up and and get a receiver? Uh, yep. And I think there's going to be conversation on that. Do they end up trading a, a pick for a receiver? Definitely possible. But I think the smarter play, as this board has unfolded it kind of shows that again when you start doing mock drafts and start going at it this way you start understanding of okay who's going to be there at this pick and as you go through the scenarios and things within it there's a high probability of a very good receiver falling to you without having to expend any resources to get them consider this scenario on the board now is Traylon Burks Chris Olave and uh, and others that are that are there and so I think when we when we look at that uh, uh, again, I, there's no reason for the Packers to uh, to make a trade for a guy unless there is someone specific that they say this guy right here he is the best on our board, he's the most impactful on our board, he's the one we want. Unless there is consensus uh, from the scouting department saying this is what we want to do, I don't see them moving up. Uh, and I think this is why. Uh, and if Chris Olave is on the board uh, when the Packers are there. Uh, yes, you can go for a higher ceiling or one of those big guys with Traylon Burks. Uh, some have talked about uh, uh, Dobson from uh, Penn State uh, and linking with it. I don't like either of them to the Packers. They don't fit. Again, people that are predicting that have not followed who the Packers draft. You don't know the team. You don't know their their offense and what they put together. Only one receiver on this board right now is a massive fit uh, for everything that they do, and that's Chris Olave. And so that's an easy hands-down pick for me at 20. Yeah, there's no way they're taking Jahan Dotson. He doesn't fit him at all. They will, they they in this way, the way this worked out, you take Chris Olave here. Absolutely, I mean, that's what I would take too. I think they would be comfortable with Traylon Burks. It's not that I don't think there's not a potential fit there. And big guys, physical guys like that can definitely work. But as far as being a complete scheme fit for who's on the board, Chris Olave hands down. I get the Cardinals. They're they have. You know, they're a good team, too. They have a kind of disgruntled quarterback right now in Kyler Murray. That that could change a lot of this, but I think they're going to work that out. I don't think that's irreversible. They have a lot of defensive needs. We've seen Cliff Kingsbury really invest in the offense here. Uh, so that leaves the, the problems with the defense. I am going to go hmm, I'm between cornerback and pass rusher here. So I'm going to go with the cornerback, and I think the, just the way that they tend to draft because of the fact – they like more athletic players. I'm going to take Kair Elam, who's a cornerback out of Florida. So he can play outside, and whereas Andrew Booth is more, he can play outside too, but he's not quite as fast and athletic. Elam is a little more athletic than those guys. Uh, he can be more of a man coverage guy, which is what they like to play down there. And he has really good ball skills to try to turn force turnovers, a la you know, Tyron Matthew, Patrick Peterson that they've had in the past. So his struggle is not always a great tackler. And that's that's why we're picking them here at the end of the first. You get the Cowboys. Yeah, so as we as we look at that, to me, this is one. Uh, this is a team that loves to pick uh, line, linemen. Uh, and uh, they, they draft first-round linemen uh, consistently. And they've built uh, wonderful lines uh, throughout the 
uh, throughout the years. They also love uh, guys that come from uh, the Kirk Ferenz uh, program. Uh, so when you put that together, you have some interesting uh, players that are here. But to me, Tyler Linderbaum is a great fit, great value uh, at 24, uh, fills a need, and uh, I think it just is an easy plug-and-play uh, for the Cowboys line. Yeah, that's a great pick. I would have thought maybe you know defensive defensive line George Karloftis is still there that that's yep. something that I thought but Tyler Limbermom you mentioned it they've wanted to ru- they love running the ball they love building these good lines they still have Zach Martin still there you know they still have some of that Ezekiel Elliott's still there Tony Pollard's still there so Tyler Limbermom said if he could play tackle you know on t- on paper he goes ten picks higher but he's kind of locked into center but as you said you saw that center could be really valuable they've had good centers there for a long time I get the Bills. Bills, hmm, they would have really liked that cornerback that I just gave to the Cardinals. Um, hmm, how about I go with a different cornerback? I'm going to go with Andrew Booth, the cornerback out of Clemson here. So I just mentioned it. There's a lot of love for him up in Buffalo. I just mentioned it with the Cardinals. I didn't think it was a great fit, but Buffalo, they lost to Fon Gilmore, obviously. He left us a free agent, so they have a big need at cornerback, but, and just like, they like to play. He's a little better in man too. So I think that Andrew Booth can step in, not replace Stefan Gilmore. That's asking too much out of a rookie, but do enough that he's going to keep the boat rolling. This team is built on offense. They're still really talented. You don't need to fix the offense, but you want to keep your defense where it's at. And we've seen them already kind of build their line. So I'm going to go with Andrew Booth on cornerback here. So this leads us to the Tennessee Titans. Uh, and there's a couple of things that I, I'm seeing here. First, again, offensive line, you could see them going Tyler Smith. Uh, that would make a, a lot of sense here. Uh, and again, having a, a Taylor Lewan is turning 31 in July. Uh, you tend to take guys uh, a year earlier before you, you want them. Uh, makes a ton of sense there. Uh, that's one. Uh, but I'm curious. The, the Julio Jones uh, did not pan out. They, it was one and done. Uh, can you remind me, in free agency, did they pick up a major? They signed Robert Woods, but he's like 31-2 and coming off of a major injury. This is the team that, I believe, first started the the big receiver uh, and blossoming into uh, otherworldly. Uh, you already you hit it with, uh, uh, with A.J. Brown. AJ Brown. Uh, can you hit it with Traylon Burks? Uh, they've already, uh, when they picked A.J. Brown, it didn't get a lot of fanfare initially. Uh, the idea of a, a big receiver, like, uh, he's just going to be too slow. He's not going to be, uh, he's not going to be anything that, that great. We haven't seen these types of, of sized, uh, he doesn't fit the prototype. Then he came in and has become, uh, again, one of the best receivers in the NFL. I think Traylon Burks goes here. Uh, you have a, uh, what, the reason why it matches this offense, again, you already have, uh, the best running back in the game. You have an offensive line that is already solid. Uh, you have a play-action passer that also does very well with throw it uh, throw it up there and get it. What happens when you have two of them on the field at the same time? Uh, that's the intrigue here. That's where I think there's a great fit here with this offense. I like Traylon Burks uh, to the Titans here at pick 26. Yeah, that's a good fit. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, obviously, that keeps, keeps the boat rolling there. You already have your defense. I could have seen them taking a linebacker. You mentioned the linebacker out of Georgia, Nicobe Dean, but I like Traylon Burks there also. I get the Buccaneers, who 
man, has there been a lot of turnover on this team this year? Because we thought Tom Brady was gone, but he came back. Uh, Bruce Arians is gone, so what does that change? They just replaced from within. Does anything change there? Um, they don't have a whole lot of needs. Now, they kept Chris Godwin, they, so that, that stayed. Gronk is currently gone. We'll see. You know, I'm not going to take a tight end here. D- defensively and offensive line, like defensive, their, their weakness is safety. That's where they have a weakness. If there's a weakness on it, it's safety. They, they have some poor safety play towards the end of the year. And you got to make sure that Tom Brady's protected. Now, they actually have tackles. They would need somebody inside. You took Tyler Linderbaum, but I said Kenyon Green is a pretty good player for them, right? Texas A&M, he can play both spots. That's where I'm going to go. Kenyon Green, Texas A&M. He's played guard. He can play center if you want. Well, he can play offensive tackle. I think he could probably play center. He's really big, uh, 320 pounds, can really push people around. He's got some scheme versatility in there. Do you like uh, Lewis uh, sign as uh, another like, safety, more strong safety type, or does that not fit? I would have taken Dax Hill if I was going safeties okay. from Michigan because I think that's, I think he's a little better player there. But Lewis sign is a Lewis sign is a good player too. But I'm gonna go with Kenyon Green. Fill the interior need that they have. Do you see anyone? And I think this actually uh, gets me to the, the possibility here, because uh, now we're back to the Packers. I think they would sprint to the board for one player. Uh, You'll have to uh, 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 tell me within it because I'm first thinking this team is fine going a projection. This team is fine with building uh, with it for even just later development. They have done this before, not always well, uh, but they have done this before. Uh, David Ajabo. You're in the same position. I think they would go for George, Karlo- George Karloftis. I think that they – major. remember AJ Epinesa a few years ago where he just has this huge wingspan and can eat yep. guys? Yep. I think that – it's not that Ojabo's not good. I think if, if David Ojabo didn't tear his Achilles tendon, he's top 15 pick. Right? He's coming off, He tore his Achilles tendon working out at his pro day. So you might not get anything from him this year, and the Packers don't necessarily have a whole lot of years with Aaron Rodgers left. It's not that... That that becomes a thing. Do you? Uh, there is high upside with David Ojabo. You could get a, a top 15 pick here closer to the end of the first round, but you have another... Uh, good prototype defensive end who's available now, this year, when you're looking at a contention window uh, that is more limited. Uh, I think if, if Aaron Rodgers were a few years younger, David Ajabo is the pick. Uh, but having uh, George Glavkis uh, right here uh, makes a ton of sense. I will agree with you on that. I think they need the guy now, not later. Uh, and so when you're looking at defensive end, when you're looking at uh, what can be done, uh, they'll go with uh, the Purdue guy. Good choice. That gets us to the first. We're going to both get a Kansas City pick because there's two in a row here. This is the replacement for – actually, this one's from the Trey Lance trade last year, but uh, obviously they lost Tyreek Hill. That's the that's the big spot they need to replace. Now, they would love a speedy receiver here like Jamison Williams, but he's gone. And so you have to make the decision. Is Jahan Dotson the pick? Well, he's not actually all that fast. He's more like shifty. And so I'm not really sure that fits them. I think they like Sky Moore. Sky Moore's a receiver out of Western Michigan. I think they've actually liked like him more. And then there's Christian Watson, who is this unicorn. I think the Packers would like him too. There's George Pickens. Like there are still options here for them. For what they like, I think it's Christian Watson. He's extremely fast at six foot four and two hundred eight pounds. So I mentioned that's basically Drake. What Drake London is that super fast, super uh, unicorn type of athlete. And can he stretch the field? Yeah, now they had Marquez Valdez-Scantling brought in. They brought in Juju Smith-Schuster. So there's development time here with Christian Watson, but 
that's the one I'm going to give him here and say that's your receiver to quote-unquote replace Tyreek Hill, which is really hard to do. But they have other needs too at cornerback and edge, which I could see them filling here too. So it's kind of hard to predict this team. It is. I think they are going to go receiver and they'll go for uh, BPA as far as who's who's best. That's also a fit for them. Uh, I think this is a team uh, that, especially with two first-round picks, they're going to get a receiver. They're going to fill that void. Uh, but then uh, this is why I think they will go David Ajabo. Uh, you yep. can afford the That's weight. That's a good one. Uh, because, again, when you're saying, hey, there's only 16 uh, to 18 players that fit a first-round grade, uh, one of them is Ajabo. Uh, he just can't play right away uh, with it. I think that's a, a great upside pick for a contending team uh, that when you have two first-round picks, you can roll a dice on that. So I go David Ajabo here. I get the Cincinnati Bengals, who I already said had horrendous offensive line play. Now, they also have bad secondary play as well. They did not have great secondary play, but they made it to the Super Bowl anyways, right? So, um. Hmm. No good offensive tackles here. You mentioned Bernard Raymond earlier, but I think that they're more likely to take Tyler Smith. And that feels he can be a little more versatile. He can play both guard or tackle out of Tulsa. So, look, you got to protect Joe Burrow. And it didn't happen last year, and that's why they lost the Super Bowl. Now, I said, if you told me they took Louis Sign or Daxton Hill, I would be okay with that too. But I'm going to take Tyler Smith and fill the offensive line need. And with the Lions. And so we get to the, the final pick of the, the first round, uh, and then there's some that I could say, hey, is this where Desmond Ritter could go uh, for a, a chance that uh, to roll a dice on a, on a QB? Uh, possibly. I just don't buy it. I think it's there because you want more QB uh, action within it. I'm not seeing it. Uh, I think they could go uh, safety here. Uh, you have some options there. Uh, is there anyone that I haven't mentioned that you could see them going in, in a different direction too? You know, they, they have a lot of needs, right? And we already said he loves to to smash kneecaps. You know, I think they could go Dax Hill and just keep two Michigan players right away, right in their state. I think that they could go receiver. I think, you know, Amon Ross St. Brown was great, but they could certainly use more. Sky Moore would fit a lot of what they need. So as far as if, if I was making this, I'm probably taking them to Kobe Dean here. Like, I, they need playmakers. And I said, he's short, but... He's a playmaker. Like, he'll get over the field. I think he would be the type of – he's an uber-hustle player that that Dan Campbell would love. I agree with that. I think that there's a uh, – uh, he definitely fits uh, uh, fits Dan Campbell. Uh, uh, but I'm, I'm going to go Sky Moore. Uh, I think they're going to stay in Michigan. I think the, having another uh, excellent uh, uh, receiver uh, that can uh, go along with what they're already doing helps to build that – up even more. Uh, so that's my final uh, pick for the, the first round. We made it. Another year done. Another one in the books. We'll see just how next, right we are in the next, next week couple of days. we come back and we talk about how we did. So we'll uh, evaluate the the NFL draft. We'll win a, uh, winners and losers coming up here uh, in the uh, uh, next uh, week as we get past uh, the fun. Enjoy the, the draft. Enjoy uh, NBA playoffs. Enjoy Major League Baseball. Lots of fun stuff this time of year uh, to take part in. We'll catch you next time. Hi, hello, and welcome back to the 1983 National Football League Draft. 
And with the first round pick, John Elway, Jim Kelly. Welcome back to the draft. And with the first round pick, Dan Marino and Rudolph's NFL draft. And with the first round pick, Deion Sanders. I was kind of scared. I thought the show was going to take me. I would ask for so much money that I had to put me on layaway. Welcome back to the NFL draft. Good young players with the traps all about. Year in and year out. Welcome back to the draft. And with the first round pick, Aaron Rodgers. Welcome back to the NFL draft. I've never seen anything like this.